All right, peace and love. Peace and love to all the Moors out there. We're going to be going live today. Uh, we have the anthropologist, uh, Sister Dana uh, Reynolds. I want to make sure I, I don't mispronounce the name. Um, Reynolds Marniche. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And we're also going to have the Sheik Talik L. And this is going to be a very enlightening discussion. Um, I want to ask that everybody likes this and make sure that you share this as well. And uh, we'll be getting started now. First and foremost, though, we always give honors. We give honors to the creator of the universe, Allah. We also give honors to our prophet, Ali, Brother Mark Garvey. In addition, we okay. And um, once again, we just ask that everybody clicks like and share. Um, you can also find links and more information on the sister, uh, Dana Reynolds Marniche, in the description. And there's also a link there for her blog. It's uh, AfroAsiaticsBlogspot.com. Um, this sister has taught at several levels um, in grade school as well as uh, different universities, uh, Glassboro State College, Jersey City State College, College of New Rochelle. Um, she has several works published as well as managed uh, different research materials for um, television productions, um, PBS affiliated shows. Um, this sister has been putting in a work for a long time and teaching anthropology as well at the collegiate level. So the information that she's bringing, that she's sharing with us is very much valued. And um, I think you will really appreciate this broadcast. So um, we're going to go ahead and get started. Once again, if you're watching this, though, make sure you click that share button. I think the sister may also be multilingual um, looking at, at um, some of her work and says that she also did some work as a translator. Um, maybe we could talk about that for um, Egyptian Antiquities, the University of Pennsylvania. Pretty interesting, very interesting, sister. This will be an enlightening discussion. And we're going to go ahead and get started now. I'm going to uh, bring them in right now. I appreciate you both. Uh, we have... Sheik Talik L, and also uh, Sister Dana uh, Marniche Reynolds. And um, once again, correct me if I'm mispronouncing your name, please. All right. How's everybody doing? Doing good. All right. All right. So we can share this too? First, I want to um, thank Brother uh, Moors in America, Brother Douglas L., and Nona Sharif Ali, for allowing us to have this, this dialogue. I want to thank uh, Sister uh, Dana for coming on. I know um, a lot of people are a fan of her research, but just some of the things she speak about. And we want to take this time to actually delve into um, some of the things that she has spoke about in the past, and she has a recent um, paper that she wrote, um, and we want to actually try to discuss a little bit of about each. Uh, I want to ask, Sister Dana, um, can you tell us, how did you get into the field of research that you are currently in? Um, I mean, I started researching as a teenager. Okay. As a teenager? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. What, was it, what sparked your interest? I guess it was some um, texts my my parents have around the house with Godfrey Higgins, Godfrey Higgins, Massey, and Theosophist 
type material. I don't know where I got, I think um, going to the library, my library here, I saw the J.A. Rogers works. So after J.A. Rogers, I, I got interested in, I mean, he's the one that wrote, uh, what's it, Negro? He wrote several, you know, very necessary Afrocentric works that everybody should have in their library. Yeah. Uh, Nature, well, and no, Nature and There's No Color Line. A uh, hundred great, what is it, great Negroes or something like that. I don't know. It was very, uh, you know, he was one of those 1960s publishers. I think his wife was um, German or something, and she has continued or had continued publishing his works. Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, just a lot of, um, I think some of his work might have even inspired some of the dreams I had, because I had started dreaming about mortars and stuff even before, <laughs> before I got into it. But um, yeah, so, and then I ran into Dr. Van Sertema's works and I went to Rutgers and met, you know, I was in his class classes and told him I had been studying, um, you know, the Moors and we, sh you know, we should start. Um, well, I, I kind of convinced him to um, get into a publication on the Moors. Now, I'm not sure if he was already, in, you know, interested in that, but he had been talking about the Teda as Garamansi you know, uh, yeah. So, um, but that's how I first got, you know, published with him. That was my first publication. Right. That publication wasn't peer reviewed, but however, um, he did tell me that it received, you know, he got calls from all over the world. Scholars all over the world started calling him from the article. So, um, yeah. So, you know, as a as you get into university or college, especially the really challenging one you start learning how to research and you know what how research is supposed to go i went to university of chicago columbia um then went to eastern for esl and, and linguistics i had some linguistics training there so uh, yeah research is, uh oh you know i research into anthropology and cultural um cultural anthropology sociology that that was related to my undergraduate work and then graduate work in anthropology. Working with Dr. Um, Bruce Williams who discovered Tosseti, which was the uh, Nubian civilization that he thought had um, started before Egypt, the Tosseti uh, mm -hmm. Um And then later on went Colombia with development, working development, um, African development and uh, public administration. Um, and then at Eastern, uh, where did I go? I'm, yeah, Rutgers, it was history, though. Rutgers was with history and African-American, a lot of African-American history. So, yeah. What about Glassboro? You, 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 did, you taught at Glassboro State? I taught at Glassboro, yes. Sociology and Anthropology. Okay, that was, probably, that was before it became Roman? That was before which? Before it switched its name to Roman? Uh, I can't really hear the word you said last week. That, that was probably before it switched its um, name to Rowan University. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, that's my alma mater. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a great university now. <laughs> yeah, it's expanded. It's, it's, yeah. They got Starbucks now. I, I might even go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, most people know you uh, about your uh, your blog, Afro-Asiatic uh, blog. Uh, blog spot. Um, how 
significant, or I can say not significant, but how deep are you involved in, in that particular topic, in a sense? Because it seems like it's like the main, the main, your main focus. How important, or why did you feel that that was important for you to touch on that topic? You know, what I'm saying as you know, being a, the connection of the Afro Asiatic, you know, what I'm saying from North Africa in that region. Okay, well, well, it was when I discovered that most of the people from West Africa in West Africa had come from the Sahara and from further north. Right. And later on, came to um, understand that these people all had um, traditions of having come from further east. So, yeah, but, um, you know, reading certain colonial texts, Warner Sahara and Sudan, where it talked about uh, the, all of the, um, for example, you would see strange things like Arab writings and uh, texts that said the, the, um, they were descendants of Japheth, that all the so-called Negroes were descendants of Japheth, uh, that the Yemen was um, basically where they came before, uh, you know, before they entered the Nile Valley and moved westward. Um, so all that stuff was strange to me, but then I was also, you know, kind of spurred by meeting certain people from Arabia and from, uh, at, at when I worked at Zahi's, Zahi Hawass's, um, in his lab at the University of Penn, I had met this guy from the Himyarite tribe of Murad, and I had happened to know that that was, um, his tribe of, of Murad was of the Himyarites because I have a have a book that I had at Rutgers as an undergrad that told me that the Himyarites are mentioned mentioned their tribe of Murad. So I started talking to him, and he told me about the book. Um, the Bible came from Arabia. Right. Yeah, so I had told him that. Um, did you know that the Berbers there's Berber traditions traditions that claim that they came from the Himyarites, Adites, and that kind of thing. And he said, well, and I, then I said that um, you know, Josephus wrote about. Uh, the Medinite settling in Africa in the Tragodite region, which is Somalia and the Horn of Africa. And I, I said that um, it was interesting in that, and he said, well, we have a, an Arabic writer that says that all of the tribes of uh, Genesis actually mentioned, or actually were people or inhabitants of Arabia. So of course I didn't believe anything like that at the time. I just scoffed it off. But later on, uh, starting to, you know, reread some of the Berber stuff and the, um, the these colonial colonialist writings, and Josephus, because Josephus is the one that talks about the Afarn or Afrin and the Ifrin or Tuareg Ifrin people coming from Yemen under Ifrakish Toba, meaning the Himyarite king Ifrakish. And Al Masudi said he was also king of Jericho. So mm. where, where does that come from? That he's Yemenite and yet he's the king of Jericho. And later on, I found that Jericho was in fact Iraq in the Yemen, and that all the names of um, of the biblical places in the Genesis places are found in the Yemen, extending up to the Assyr area, where where we settled later on. Now the thing is, a lot of people that speak those ancient Sabian related dialects in, in Arabia today have traditions of coming from Africa before that. So it, it looks like it's a matter of a back back movement into uh, Africa after the time of um, you know Moses and the flooding in Marib, which is called in the Exodus Mariba. Um, and so you know all of 
stuff just started to fit in and that was what my latest book was about you know the, the um arab tribes and who they were and their connection to the the, the africans now it's not about africans more about the arab tribes and their connection to the africans as hebrew people hebrew and people of genesis okay yeah let's let's start there um the bible in genesis and with these tribes um for, for many, um, we'll say that, um, and we'll talk about Afro, Afrocentric scholars, and many of them, they contribute to um, the Africans migrating into the place of Arabia and those places in, 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 in Jerusalem. You know, the Canaan were first populating. Like some say that that land was an extension and a push. Can you hear me? It, 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 you know, I have to just stop you there. But um, yeah, they, they most um, scholars believe that, you know, the Bible is a ruse or the Genesis and all that tradition about Noah was a ruse and most of those tribes, you know, Canaanite and Ham were Africans and that kind of thing. But what happened was there was a um, civilization called the Sabir or Afro-Tahama civilization that started back in the, probably before 4000 BC. We're talking about thousands of years BC, and by the time of the Bible, which is 2,000 years later, you know you had these different tribes related to Africans already in Arabia, and some of them had already, you know, started moving up into Babylon. Some of them later on moved into Jordan and Syria. But those tribes that the, that the uh, Torah talks about, or the Bible, Old Testament, were located mainly in the Yemen, and that's why most the African tribes, um, you know, not most of the African, most of the West African tribes, you read about their traditions of coming from the Yemen and having been sub subdued by the Assyrian kings and, or, um, you know, and, and also later Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so Canaan um, is generally thought to be in Syria, so is Israel, but that's not the thesis that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the pre- uh, Pre-Greek, uh, see what happened was, and there's a question that was asked to me by a friend on Facebook, Sanyika Bryant, and let me see, what did he say? He said, um, let me see if I can share this. Okay. Share screen. Mm, uh oh, where did I go? I don't see it anymore. Well, anyway, he said that, um, in my view, what is the origin of the erroneous idea that the original location of Canaan and all of the tribes of people mentioned in the book Genesis was in the Levant rather than the Yemen? Would you agree with the position of Dr. Ashraf Azat in his book, Egypt Knew No Pharaohs or Israelites, also inspired by Dr. Kamal Salibi's work, that the discrepancy originated with the creation of the Greek translation of the Torah, the Septuagint, commissioned by King Ptolemy of Egypt, circa 273 BC. Okay. So, um, I'm not really up on the exact time where people started mistranslating these words like Mr. Ayim and Kanana and um, 
you know, other biblical terms. For example, they started saying that Urfakshad was in Babylonia when there's an Urkazim down in the Yemen. You know, so all these people took their names up to the Yemen and, um, excuse me, up to the, uh, up to Mesopotamia and also later on in Syria after the 8th century, we find a lot of those names there. But um, I, I believe uh, that a lot of it started after the Septuagint or the Greek translation of the Torah. And you also find later on the, the Muslims, since they borrowed a lot from the Greeks, you know, they, they and the, the early Christians were basically Greeks and Byzantines who had distorted, you know, that whole issue of Ham, Shem, and Japhet uh, being people of different colors. That was not in the original uh, Arabian, that was in the original Arabian viewpoint, you know. They didn't, they didn't ever um, come in contact with those people until much later. So it's an it's actually an anachronistic um, history of the ancient Yemen and the Israelite or Yasserah and Kanana people in um, in the Yemen. And those people later on became known as uh, by archaeologists as Sabians and Menaeans, who are in the Bible they're called Mehunim or uh, Minim, the Christian Minim, because the earliest Christians were also of their kind, the Menaeans. So. See, see, um, and that's that's very interesting because you got a lot of um, groups um, out here from decades, and a lot of times their explanation for um, the different races stem back to that story of more on his terms, mm -hmm. and they believe that you know, oh, you know, this one. Gave birth to this tribe, this this race, sorry, this race and that race. So what you're saying is, is that that became distorted at the time of the Byzantine era. The that's when it became distorted into the race. Before then, they they pretty much were all the same race, and there was no distinction. Are you saying that? all the same peoples, or those peoples down in the southwest of Arabia? Mm -hmm. Okay, and there's the story of how they. Certain of these Kani or Kenite people, otherwise known as Hameda, Hamathites, mm -hmm. um, were suppressed by the Mitzrayim or Mizira tribes down there, otherwise known as Amalekites and all these other. Um, Amalek are actually a people that were mentioned in colonial times in, in the Hajamah area. But all these um, Canaanite people were fighting amongst each other, and some of them were. Um, Smiths and some of them were nomads and some of them were uh, fishermen and that kind of thing. And that's another question that this friend had asked me about the client tribes and the vassal castes of the um, Israelites. So, for example, you see in Africa now, you see um, the, the Tuareg people, right? The Tuareg are divided into the nobles and then you have the Smiths or artisan class or vast, and the vassals who are agriculturalists. But then you also have the slave, slave caste. So in that time, um, you had the same peoples who are, I mean, if you look at what the uh, historical, I mean, the documents say about the where the Torah came from, they're saying that basically those groups were made up of Songhai and um, Philistine or Amalekite people were the ones that, you know, some, most of them came in from the east and from the mm -hmm. Yemen. Okay, so as that's why Joseph has talked about Eudatus, or Titans, the Greeks called them the Titanic peoples, 
um, because of the, first of all, there were the, uh, the idea of them being very tall, like I said, the Tuareg, the two nobles of the Tuareg were very, very tall, like Tuatutsi type tall, I mean, over seven feet, and some of them still are over seven feet. Yeah. yeah. Vassal clans who were made up by the Songhai or Zagai and uh, Wangara. Same thing in, in um, ancient Israel and Canaan, you had these Canaanite people, Kanani or um, um, Tain, El Tain, they were called in Arabic, but um, they were the smiths and artisans of these of these groups of basically Israelite, and those are the people that became to be called Cushites because apparently they were um, uh, the Amalekites didn't want to mix with the you know the artisans and smiths just like now they don't want to mix, mix with the fishermen and the artisans. Those nomadic warrior people didn't want to mix with those people, and that's why you have in the in the Torah translation of Moses, uh, his people did not want him marrying a Kenite woman, you know, a Hemorite woman, or they happen to have had a, a land called Cush and still called Cush in Amran, the Amran district of Yemen. So the biblical Cush did not refer to Nubia, referred to the people that were in the original Cush. Is there, is there, okay, because if anyone were to, because right now you're shattering some people's reality right now, yeah. you know, because we're told, you know, we've been saying Black Kush, uh, you know, Somalia, Eritrea, you know, we get these ideas that these lands were named after these people in Africa giving us a sense of connection to the Bible. Now, what it is we're just saying is that these actual places took place in Yemen. Now, have you found any tablets and artifacts to actually, well, because I know a lot of your, you know, through, you know, word of mouth tradition and so forth, but is there any plates, tablets, written manuscripts, older Bibles, have, like even if you go to the Eastern Orthodox, who have a very old uh, compilation of the Bible, uh, would you find some evidence of this or the name, or are you just tracing it by names? And no, I'm not tracing my name. I'm talking about the, there's inscriptions over there that talk about these ancient peoples, okay. as well as the rulers of these peoples, the rulers of, of these peoples, which you know, the book that's coming out is going to explain all that and, and show where they've been found. Um, okay. Now, the, the people in East Africa, a lot of them, Somali and they're kind of, Bin Somal and all those people, um, many of them claim also to have come from Yemen, but that was later on because the Kudman, the Kudman uh, or Kadmonites were the first, uh, supposed to be the first Somali in, in Horn of Africa. Uh, the Kudman, they, they colonized Somalia and um, Makir, or, what do they call them? M E C H E R or M A K I R, and the Jaladi, the Jaladi, those are Makir and Jilad of the Bible, children of Manessa. So what, that's what I mean by these are anachronistic names of people that once dwelt in Yemen and after. The fifth century BC, the people, later people, other people moved into Yemen, like the Somal, a lot of the Somalis, a lot of the Afar peoples, or Afrin as they're called, 
Well, Afar supposedly moved with them during the time of Keturah settled in Africa. Um, and the Tuareg allow them also, they call themselves still Sawar, or uh, the uh, Roman Fatima Suriani or Wasuri, Wasuriani. Um, and Joseph has said those are the people that had harassed, conquered, and named Assyria. So we're talking about the time when before they moved to Africa, they had also, you know, they were in, in South Arabia, but they also had colonized Syria. I mean, under the, you know, that's when there were Akkadians and people of that sort. And that's why you have such names of Agadis or um, over in, uh, in Niger and Africa, you have Agadis, you have Gat, you know, names that you would find, and you have Gao or Gao, which are uh, Arabian, also Arabian names. Now, you could say that either the Africans moved over, over to Arabia and brought those names or else vice versa. And all African uh, and even, like I say, Josephus and earlier or early um, Jewish and Christian writers claim that these people, a lot of these groups of people, the ancestors of the Israelites called Medina, sorry, Medianites had moved into the horn. Okay, that's why you find all those names in the horn as well. And you still find the Afro people over in, in uh, South, Southern Arabia. As well as the Isa, the names Isa of the Somalia is still found among the, uh, that's a tribe, Isa and Sabar tribes of the Kara people, Al Kara, who were related to the Canaanite peoples or Kinana of that area. So, I mean, et ethnically, ethnologically, they share a lot of traits. You know, these, these people in, that are black in Southern Arabia that speak the ancient. Uh, it's called now it's called Sahedic, but it's closely related to the ancient Sabian and Humerite dialects. Those are the people who are closely related to, um, you know, the uh, Africans, and they look like Africans still. Most of them still look like Africans, but they had once moved from that area of Kanana to Wadi Kanana, or the Tahama, northward into the Hejaz, and then finally into, you know, Babylon and Syria. So, um, yeah, what, um, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know what If we speak about um, people, and they you are doing a real good job just explaining it, um, you know, I know from, like, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not an anthropologist, yeah. but I've seen, I've seen pictures. I do a lot of gazing and, and you know, browsing and stuff like that. And when I look up certain, Faces and in places like the Yemen and everything, um, I do see a connection as far as um, phenotype. Um, uh, that seems like what I would find if I went to the lands of um, like Ethiopia and so forth, um, um, you know, Somalia, Eritrea, you know, it seems a very much a similar. Um, they have a similar phenotype. Um, their hair is not as coarse. Their nose is a little more um, thinner and stuff. Um, the leniency of the bodies are, are similar. They still have, they, a lot of them have that lean, that lean structure. Yeah, now that's one population that, that was left in Arabia, yes. You have that, that type of um, Ethiopic or Eritrean look. 
-hmm. especially since, like I say, and I just said in my other interview uh, recently that um, there was early Sassanid influence also in that area, the Sassanid Persians. So there, there's a lot of genetic influence from that area, the Persian, Armenian type of people. And uh, that's why you see in Eritrea, they're, they're curlier hair than the Jewish, the normal, the normal mm -hmm. Africans have. And uh, not, I shouldn't say normal Africans, but the, <laughs> but the um, original uh, Omotic peoples, because the Ethiopic peoples in, in that area are, you know, they're basically the same people as Amotic people, but with mixed with those early uh, Sassanid people and the early, you know, Greek also <laughs> were merchants in the area, as well as the um, early Romans had settled there. So you do have a lot of admixture, just like you do in Sudan, where the Arabs had entered. They look a little different than other Africans. Now, further north, though, the Central Arabian area, you'll also see different completely different types of Africans that were in um in the Jed. Big, much bigger bone, you know, flat giant noses and um or wide giant noses and um uh and then you'll see in the in um in the you'll see that also in Jordan you'll see bigger bigger bone people even though they're also mixed with other people. Jordan or the Gore Valley, Jordan Valley um, but in the Hejaz, you'll see, um, you know, and, or the Assyria region, region or Jazan, you'll see very small Negroid people that look almost as small as the so-called um, um, San or not Sandi. So what are the pygmies? The real names, I forget what they're called. Pygmies like Chad, like Ariel and Yvonne. Tango and... Um, I can't think of the native names of, the, of those very small people, but the yes. Yeah, you'll see people that size literally in uh, in Arabia, but they'll also mm -hmm. have hair that's different, you know, because they were also mixed. Um, they have kinky hair; it's kinky but longer. You know, most mostly uh, most of those. Black people in Arabia mostly have longer kinky hair than than other, you know, West African people. So there's different types in Arabia, but we're most familiar with the Ethiopic or modern um, Abyssinian types, you know, from the sculptures and from the uh, um, yeah, ancient, um, well, from the present-day Horn of Africa and ancient sculptures. A lot of them look mainly Abyssinian type. But there were different populations there. It shows in the skeletal evidence. Now the the ones in um the ones in Hejaz, there were different populations in Hejaz, and some of them in, in um Yathrib and around the area of Kaibar were like I say the early Kahanim or um, peoples from the Levites. And they're supposed to be extremely, you know, very small. And mm -hmm. one of them was named um, David Habubani, Habubani, who had visited in medieval um, Europe. He visited there, and he was described as a small, uh, black as a Negro. I don't know what you what word they used back then, because they certainly didn't use a Negro. I don't know what they, <laughs> but that translation is saying they're saying black mm -hmm. back. Back in this, I guess before the 16th century, because he um, claimed to be the ruler or prince of the tribes of Gad, 
Reuben, and Manasseh. And those tribes were, in fact, in that area. Reuben and Manasseh, okay, that, that's consistent. They're called, they're called, in Arabic, they're called Mansur. Mansur. And also Manasir. Manasir. Okay, that's what their translation, Reuben and Manasseh's translation in Arabic is yeah. Mansir and Manasir. Or Mansur. And Mansur. And Mansur. I think Mansur is the plural. I forget which I forget which way it went. Okay. That's interesting. So when we speak of even in the Quran, and we speak of Muhammad's lineage, peace be upon that he is connected from the Quraysh tribe. Now does now the Quraysh tribe they come into play in um as far as their connection. I believe they have a connection to the Sabians, I believe, if I correct me if I'm wrong. Well, all of these people came from the South, from Yemen, where the, the archaeologists later call those people Sabians. Sabians. Saba, you know, all those people Saba. considered, um, you know, their rulers became the pro so-called prophets of the Bible, or so-called the rulers of the Bible, like Haddad and all those people, um, Shamar or Shama, okay. all those ancient Sabian rulers are the people like um, Mad, Madan, Mad, Medean, and Madan, those were the peoples because the peoples that, that were descended from those people that followed them or their families became known as those tribes or clans. So, for example, you have the Ashair and the Jada in the Yemen that came up to Hejaz as well. And those were the Gad and Ashur, the tribes of Israel of the Bible. Manasseh also came from the South and became Mansur in, the, in that area. There's Manasseh of the Bible um, or Torah. Um, yeah, Ben Yam was down there, and there Benjamin and Ishakur, the Yashkur were Issachar, and so on. You have all these Israelite tribes that were down there in the area of Southwest Arabia, right across 19 miles away from Ethiopia or, or the Horn of Africa. And those are the tribes that became known as Yesareel because I guess it, like anachronistically, there was actually that area, according to Kamal Salibi, Israel or greater Israel extended into the Asir area. Asir mm -hmm. area. And you'll find the Shaloa or Shiloh, you'll find the Shubail or Shobo, um, you'll find the Sharon or Shahran. Found Shahran, all these uh, it, names of the you know the Shahran and Shahran um, mentioned in the Bible. Um, so that whole area, which was actually at that part until about the 19th century, that was considered part of the Yemen anyway. But so that would be considered the northern part of the Yemen. Um, so what Kamal Salibi found is that the Israel was, or at least part of it, extended to that area. Up into that area, which is south of Mecca, mm -hmm. south of the uh, Hejaz. So, Asir to Hama and the mountains of Asir, extending towards Hajimat, where you still find um, Dan, or you know, children of Dan. Um, you'll find uh, Makir and Jalad, and those people all settled in Africa, and that's why you find the, you know, the uh, was a beta Israel claiming to be from Dan in, in Africa and 
I think Falasha probably also originates with the Belais that were a Yemenite tribe, um, better known as the Philistine or Philistines, and they brought the name to what's now Palestine. Um, so, but what, what was your question again? <laughs> I was just talking about the Quraysh. Oh yeah, Quraysh. Yeah, the Quraysh, mm -hmm. though, are made from, they're, first of all, they're Ben Kanana. They're from the Kuzema Ben Kanana, meaning the Canaanites, Canaanites. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where the word came from. The people that founded Canaan were Kanana, tribes of the tribe of Kanana. But where the lineages of the Quraysh are from the Sulaim, from the uh, Khazraj, from the uh, Aus, and many, many tribes that are, um, meaning the Uz, uh, these tribes of Ansar, okay, from Al-Najjar, Al -Najjar, who were Jewish, from the um, mm -hmm. Quraysh, Bin Kanana, who were related to the uh, Al-Qara, further south, Al-Hun and Al-Qara, who came from further south as well. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, the Quraysh, other, otherwise known as Garasa, are still black too. They live in Sinai and they live in Jordan. Mm, the Quraysh is still, still. Yes, they're called Garasa in Sinai. In the wow, Sinai. Mm. So I'm this uh, when I was working as a research affiliated research uh, associate with uh, the Caribbean Center for Caribbean Culture. There was a man named Daniel Dawson. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the curator. There were, you know, director of curator of the exhibit exhibitions they put on, and he showed me there was a girl, one of his friends, that went over to Israel and Sinai, and she sent back pictures of the of the these black Quraysh people, and they were complaining about being too black. Mm. And I said, "Well, these can't be Quraysh of the of the Islam, is it?" I mean, I, I still didn't believe. It. I said for a long time, I said, "Well, they must have just gotten mixed with Africans or something," just like. Mm -hmm. Modern Zionist Israel puts out that there are descendants of Africans, but you find the same people in the Jordan, and you find that, in fact, Wesley, Wesley Muhammad, who wrote the Black Arabia book, yeah. uh, he had said that he quote, yeah, he quote, except that he had said that the Sabians were white, you know, which is a whole, <laughs> which just negates everything he said in the book, but um, the Quraysh. Somebody had written, some scholar, other Western scholar had written about how the Quraysh were, they were asked why they were still so dark in color. And they said, it's because we don't mix outside of our tribe. We don't engage in, you know, exon mm. We don't mix out of the, you know, we want to keep our pure lineage. Now, as I told you before, well, I'm looking at these. Yeah, I was going to ask that. When you're done. Yeah, when I remember I told everybody not to ask general questions because that's a very gener generic and you can it took me a whole book to write about it. And it took me also a whole two books actually. Because one of them hasn't been published yet, and the other hasn't been published yet. The other one's supposed to be published. The second one's supposed to be published before the first one. First one was published as an issue on West Africa Review. So if you want to know about West Africans, please subscribe or get, get that however you can. I know some of the Moorish groups already downloaded it and bought it. Um, I don't have the copyright for, for it, so you have to buy it from that site, West Africa Review, that has the uh, West African Moorish 
um, a lot about you know that those particular groups and how and like I said, that's even being used by somebody at SUNY as the core of their African studies program. So if you know, people will have to get that there. Now the Black Arabians, um, like I said, this this book that's um, hopefully the coronavirus thing will open up New York and they'll be able to distribute that book. I'm sure it's already been published. I mean, uh, they're, they're already finished by now. They probably just have to typeset a few things or get a few uh, permissions or whatever. But um, that book's going to talk a lot about the Arabians as African-related people and also their connection or direct connection to uh, the people of Genesis in particular, all of the people of Genesis, not just the Ham or whatever, Canaan and Moabites. All the people of Genesis were black. There were no other people. They were based in South Arabia first, and they moved into Babylon and Africa probably around the same time because some of those places in North Africa or in um, Wargla and uh, some of the places that the West African claimed to have come from first before moving southward were said to have been founded during the time of Bilkis or the Queen of Sheba. Queen Sheba. So, yeah, and, they, and you know, so they were already whatever Israelites, um, which doesn't mean they were Jews, but they were, were Hebrew of some sort, or the people that later became to be called Hebrews. And that's why when the Arabs came in, uh, they, were later called huh? they were later called Hebrews, so they were known as what again? In other words, the people that the word Hebrew comes from the word abir, abir. who are people called a brain or a beer in Selvin in Hadramaut. In fact, there's still still an area, you know, in that area called a brain and Peleg, Pelege or Aphelage. So these people. The Pelagites and the Shemites and Katan people, they were one people, and they gave birth to the, you know, the other people um, that moved across in back into Africa, set along the Nile first, and then moved westward, starting in the, you know, before 1000 BC, they started this movement, because that's when apparently, um, you know, around Bilkis time or right before, uh, around the time of Solomon, before the time of Solomon, they started moving out, or they claimed that, you know, as a consequence of their kings fighting each other, they started moving. You know, among them, Harun, um, Tyrus or Jethro, and um, Korah. Korah, the, the Levite. You know, all these are Levite, Levitical peoples. So that's what the Tariq El Fatach says. That's why I keep telling everybody we have to learn Arabic. You have to learn the black man's language. That's, you know, that's the easiest language to learn. I mean, you can learn Hebrew too. That's a Canaanite dialect. The Arabic came later, but it's in the Arabic text that they tell you, the Arabic text of Africa, the Arabic text of other countries, they tell you who these people were and how they're connected to Africans. It's the Arabic texts that tell you that Japheth's <laughs> descendants, along with Artet, who is a biblical Artet, uh, um, yeah, Atet or Artet uh, moved across the Sudan and became the West Africans, or as they put, as some translator put it, all the tribes of Negroes. So I don't know if they're talking about, you know, they use the word Zanj or Nawa or, you know, what. 
Genoa. That's why we have to learn those dialects to see what words were used. Because the word Sudan, for example, did not originally mean just mean the black people. It was a, it was a tribe of people. Just like Kanana didn't mean black people, it was a tribe of people. Mm -hmm. uh, now the word did mean black, didn't mean black people, meant black, um, the black cultivated land. Um, Hagar meant, um, there's also all the ham, see the word ham has to do with land or the fermented land, let's see, the ham, hamron or hamar, you find that in even Persian texts. That's how you get the, the descriptions of, um, uh, um, you know, ham has to do with the vineyard and the, the taking care of the fermented, fermented um, earth. Mm. So ham has to do with the fermented earth and um, um, what else? Mitzrayim also had to do with the two, not the two lands, but some kind of Mitzra or Mitzra had to do with land. Canaan had to do with the low, low land. Um, Canaan. Um, so you have to do with earth and metals. And then you had Shem. Then you had Japheth, which had to do with, well, that even, um, most of the Japhetites in the Greek tradition or the European tradition are just the people, the African or Afro-Asiatic people that settled in Mediterranean Aegean and they became known as Japheth. Those are the earliest people that, before the other people moved into their areas, they were the Japhetites or Javan, Jawan people. That's why even in India you have Black Javana, you're Black Javana. Javana. Moved into, yeah, you have Black Javana, you have Jaws Pita or Japheth over there in their traditions too. You have all, all of those people were called Black in those, if you look at them. Yeah. Even in India, wow. Yeah, India, because migrated up. They, well, in, India is the same latitude. They just migrated right, right. to, to Persia first and then down into India. Those were the people of uh, Musa, Malucha, or Malucha, Amalekites. Malekites. All the same people, yeah. Because okay. the Persians are usually depicted, you know, as the ones that changed the phenotype when they came in to uh, the area. Yeah, but that's incorrect. The, the people that came in took the name, like Herodotus or one of those people said, of first of all the Aryans, and then um, they started, there was Skytho Hamavarga. Meaning the one, the Scythians that use the the um, fermented, like I told you, hamar, meaning um, the fermented uh, plants or whatever, fermented uh, land. Soma or homa in in those dialects refers to the fermented drink that they drink from the plants. Fermented drink, okay. So and ham too, fermented and the. Uh, you know how it says Noah's son Ham got drunk? Yes. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff is decoded. But see, we don't know what we're looking for when we read anything because it's presented to us like a story with a moral or spiritual uh, connection. So we're yeah. not even looking historically. So this is why a lot of us who become uh, I guess aware of history and our, our heritage, we totally dismissed the body. And we, the last of his fantasy, none of these people existed. And, you know, 
And I was one of them. I was like, hey, ain't none of them is good because you can't find it. Because the thing is, one person would say is you can't go over to it where Israel is at and those lands and you can't find any bit of archaeological proof uh -huh. that people existed. Right. You know, but this is very good information. You're saying, you know, these people did, but they're just not in the area of which, yeah. you know, biblical scholarship is telling what. Right, right. Yeah, well, they, for example, they even found that um, the word Bethlehem came from the Beit Lahim or Lahim tribe of the Azd, who were not in that area until after the time of Christ. Wow. The town was founded under the name Beit Lahim or Bethlehem after the time of Christ. <laughs> so um, Christ was not born in Bethlehem, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those names came in with the well, either the early Christians or the early Nabataeans, yeah. or after that, even with the uh, Muslim tribe after the yeah. fifth century, you know, sixth century, into Palestine and Syria. Mm. That's right. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that um, there are a lot of Israeli, modern Israeli scholars that say, no, these people did not exist in the way they talk about in the Bible. They believe, you know, they can't find themselves. They can't find the Jericho that they were talking about because the Jericho that's there now is not the right date. You know, it's much, much earlier than they were talking about in the Bible. Oh. So, yeah, a lot of the dates are off. That's why they say that those people did not exist, too. They also say that. Yeah. Also think that, you know, some of them also think that. Yeah, but um, what some people have been saying, even before Kamal Salibi wrote the Bible, came from Arabia, you know, there were people that said, well, these people, however, are found, or these places, however, are found in southern Yemen and in the Asir area. Kamal, Kamal Salibi said the Asir area, but actually a lot of them came from the Yemen to the Asir area. Now, I am one who not only found... Uh, well, place names, but mainly the names of the tribes. If you look at, um, if you look at this book, uh, I see the history of the yeah, the Tarikh al Tabori at Tabori, Tabori. Um, he wrote Muhammad at Mecca, or the volume six, where it talks about the lineage of Muhammad, and it describes all the tribes. Of Yemen, okay. he's mentioning the Genesis book. However, what happened is I had noticed, started noticing, in this book I got, I just happened to got the voice from my ex and moved down and started working at this book company, and I, they, you know, allowed us to pick up books, and so I picked up this book. This is about when I come down, about twenty years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. And so after it mentions, you know, Mizar and Ma'ad and Adnan and all those other people that were supposed to be ancestral to, to Muhammad, it starts mentioning um, the different traditions of where um, Mizar and Adnan came from. So, for example, it says Nabit bin Aus, he is the Laba, because it's the Laba people were. were from Nabi bin Aus, and they moved into Hijaz, and they became the mm -hmm. Aus, Aus, um, you know, that were, were the Khazraj, right? 
And so the, like, I, like I was saying, Khazraj were in part um, the, the ancestors to Muhammad's Quraysh tribe. The lineage of the Sulaim and of the Nabit or Nabatians were ancestral to Muhammad's tribe. And it says, son of Bora, son of Shuha, son of Yamana, who is Kamwal, meaning Kamuel, okay, it, who lived in the time of Suleiman bin Daud, meaning Solomon, son of David, right? Then it goes on to say, mention all of the tribes of, uh, you know, of Genesis, Kazdana, who is Muhalam Dual Ain, Kazdana meaning, mean, I'm sorry, being Kaz, Kased, if you look in the Bible, C-H-E-S-E-D, Bin Hazana, who is Huz or Hazo, okay, Bin Bildasa, and these are names of the Yemenite. These are the spellings of the Yemenite um, tribes. The Yemenites often pre prefix their name with Ba or Bu. Ba. Ba. So, for example, Ithran in the Bible, Yehori, Ithran is bit Badaran. Okay, Bidaran or Badaran. Uh, and he's also the ancestor of Berbers, too. Batur al Batur, who is the king of yeah, Bathur and Baran, they're, they're actually Ithran and Aran in the Bible. That's why they say Horites came over, um, like Koran and Ishban. The, the Arabic texts tell us that they came over into Africa and into Fezzan and, you know, that they were ancestors of the Berbers. Mm -hmm. So but these also happen to be the spellings of the ancient uh, or the Yemenite tribes. Even today, many of them are still there. Okay. So, Banda, who is Elda, meaning Elda. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, Hameda, who is Hamdan, who is Hamdan. Hameda, or in the Bible, is Hamdan, too. Hamdan, who is the, who is the son of them. Um, I think we saw Dishan. So it says, goes on, it says, Hameda, Al, who known as Al Awaj was his horse, and, and the Awaji beat of horses ascribed to him. Son of Bashman, who is Yashbin. Now, this is Ashiabin or Eshman of the Bible. Yeah. So, so you find all these tribes mentioned together Hamdan, Eshban, Ithran are mentioned together. Hamdan, son of Bashman, son of Bethran or Ithran, son of Bahran or Aran. You know, if you look in Genesis, you'll see all these tribes mentioned together. So these happen to be the names of Yemenite tribes, even today. Many of them are still there. Um, and all, as we well know, okay, so it goes all the way up to Aram, who is on the beat, who is son of Kedar, um, Kedar, son of Ishmael, son of Abraham, such as so on, so on. Okay, but it just so happens, it just so happens that we know from the Bible that the Edomites, these Edomites, these are all Edomites who African Americans are trying to say, are trying to say we're white. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, these people came from Canaan. That's why I said Zibian is called a Horite. He's also called a Hivite because these peoples were settled in the area of Edom, Damah, still meaning the Red Mountain, Kenana, Tahama area in the Yemen. Um, so we know Edom was called Esau. Now Esau, according to colonialists, are the, is the name of a tribe called Isa. As I was telling you, the Isa also settled in Africa, where they're still called Isa. Um, these words mean, don't mean anything about red. It means the goat. 
refers to the goat. And all, most of these names refer to an, animals because, you know, they were totemic people. So they're related to certain animals. Um, and not only animals, but since the animals were their way of um, kind of displaying the, the stars and constellations. Um, but anyway, um, Edom was next to Israel. Um, it was the twin brother of Jacob, right? Esau was a twin brother. Was it Isaac or Israel? I mean, Isaac or uh, um, Jacob, I forget which one. But anyway, all these people were in the same area in South Arabia. Okay, we still are there, Keturah, the Beit Keturah or Al-Katira are still mm -hmm. in South Arabia. They happen to be still pretty much black or Ethiopian oh, looking in color. And they're next to the Afar or Afaria tribe mm. who in the north became, um, in Africa, they're still called Afar, you know. Mm -hmm. And this, well, according to Joseph, these are the ones that crossed into North Africa and other, I think it was Eusebius, and they said that they named Ifriqiya for the area of Carthage and, you know, Tunis, mm. yeah. So that's why, um, anyway, uh, you know, it's it's just so much information. You can't like in one hour or whatever, but yeah. um, all these people are still basically, the names are still there. Many of them are still black. And if they're not black in, in the Yemen, because, you know, a lot of intermixture took place, especially in the last 600 years in that, that area, just like in the rest of the area. Mm. Um, now, I do want to mention, for example, in the Asir area, you find the tribe that started coming in, the Persian tribes, Iranian tribes started coming in in um, the time of, you know, uh, Islam. And even before that, you have the tribe of Munabe, Wab Ibn Munabe, you know, they were intermarrying with the Himyarites. And you have a whole group of places in the Asir area um, that the people look just like, uh, they still wear the hair, the um, flower, Hats of the, the, um, the Indo-European tribes in North India, they still wear those types of um, uh, things around their heads. Now, some of them are mixed with the African or Afro-Asiatic people that were there, the, real, the two genuine Arabs that were there. But mm -hmm. they're all the tribes of the ancient Arabs as well, because basically these people mixed in with the Arabs. Mm -hmm. um, and now further south, you have still the black people, like the people that were described as stamping their feet in the dirt. Um, and there's a hammer, the abs, abs, yabs, or jebusites, and all those other, you know, Israelite Canaan people in their original black form. Um, you have the Dawasir groups. That was their groups um, in the Asir that are fairer-skinned fair in the Asir, but in the Central Arabian area, they're still, you know, black. And they're, they're actually, a lot of them are black giants. Mm. Those are the people that had come, you know, that came to be called the, at, you know. The, when you say black giants, you mean how, what height are we talking about? We're always talking about over seven feet, you know. Over seven feet? Well, and I don't know what they are in that area now, but I know that the colonialists, when they described them, they said they were very tall, like giants. Now, the original ones, like we know that the original Azd were in the area of between seven feet and eight feet or over eight feet. 
because some of the leaders of the Azd or Ansar are described as over 80, like Ubada bin Samit, who mm. said he would, bring 100, 100, he would bring a thousand men of his people from the Hejaz with him that were blacker than he was. The Azd were, supposed to, if you look at this book, another book that everybody should get. I got that on. So it talks about uh, the different individuals, leaders that were described, how they were described. Yeah. And for example, Ubada was tall black giant, and uh, all of them, well, the Khazraj in general, apparently, the um, Al Mutalib and his, <laughs> and his um, brothers, they were all black, looked like, what was it, just looked like black camels circling the Kaaba. They were oh, giant, they were said to be huge, giant men. Can you hold the book up one more time? Yeah. It's a camera right there. There you go. Unknown Arabs. The unknown Arabs. Not Arabs, but. <laughs> uh, by, uh, by Tariq Berry. Yeah. Tariq Berry. Yeah. Um, these, you know, you're familiar with the, uh, the, the, concept, the concept and the idea of the Philistines. Of the what? The Philistines. The concept of the Philistines? Yeah, the biblical Philistines and with David and Goliath. The Philistines, yeah, Elphilas, yeah. Yeah. Is that any race that definitely is there a connection to them in the in the giants? As I had said in other uh, interviews, the 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 Jewish Spaniards, some of the Spaniard Jewish Jewish people called the Amoravid dynasty the Philistine dynasty because it was mainly a Tuareg dynasty. And as I said, the Torah were extremely tall. Okay. They were descendants of the Canaanite people that were called Amalek. And in Berber tradition, Amalek and Philistine or the Anakim, they're all the same people. So they were the original people of the Tahama before, you know, the Hamorites came in or Hamor, king of Canaan. Hamor is Humer or Hamor, king of Canaan. Um, so you got, you're not talking. That's why I said we have to. Now I'm trying to say we have to get away from the the terms that, that the European, you know, the, the tra translators make it seem as if these were legendary type people, but they were actually talking about literal, you know, giants, historical people mm -hmm. who are still living. They were never, Israelites were never lost, especially. Israelites, the Israelite tribes, Jada or Gad and Asher or Asher, um, Zebulun or Zabala, Manasseh or Manasir, Beniam, Benjamin, all mm -hmm. those tribes are still known under, under their names in, in um, Yemen and in some of them are still in um, Jordan, Gore. Black, in, in Gore, the Gore area is a very important area to study now because the Jordan, those are people of Jordan that they're trying to make into descendants of Egyptian soldiers and all the other nonsense. Mm -hmm. But they still have the names of the original peoples of those, that area, like mm -hmm. Kenana. Salamian or Sulain, um, you know, all the all the early tribal names that were in that area. And I just happen to know them because I study, study. And apparently, you know, the uh, modern archaeologists are not interested in, in the medieval text of the Arabs and who mm -hmm. was there. There are some of them like the uh, Gil, Moshe Gil, who wrote um, Palestine under the Muslims or something like that under, mm -hmm. under the Muslims or Jews in Palestine. That's how you know. You know, who moved to the north and why they were called such and such. 
mm. um, from the Yemen. You know that the, the uh, Al Jara tribe of the Thai moved from the Yemen to the area. Um, many other Yemenite tribes moved to that area and they crossed into Egypt, um, and they were described by people of that time. You know, so we know how they were, what they looked like, and what they didn't look like. Um, I got a question. Uh, Boys in America asked about what about the so-called undesirables in the Yemen. There was a, a video of a news uh, newscast. I don't know if it was Al Jazeera or, or who it was, but they were talking about a group of people in the Yemen who were labeled the undesirables. And the problem, one of the issues is that they're considered a very low class. Well, there's been a whole group of Africans that were brought into the Persian Gulf and Arabia in in the last 300 years, 400 years. Okay. So that's who they're talking about. And some of them actually have mixed with the indigenous Arabians too, but most of them are descendants of Africans, recent African people. Or a lot of them are. I'm not sure if all, most of them are, but a lot of them are definitely not Arabs per se in the, you know, in the sense that they talk about even the genuine black Arabs. They're descendants of Africans. Okay. So, so there, are groups, there are groups of black Arabs over there still, or the, I shouldn't even say black Arabs because that's like that's like saying black African or black Negro. The Arabs, the genuine black skinned Arab or near black Arab is still found in regions like the Tahama in certain places of um, the, near Oman in, in Oman. Um, even though there's also a lot of slavery brought a lot of Africans into Oman. But the bulk of the slaves before the 17th century and 16th century were from other people, from the fair-skinned people, from the Persian or Iranians, from the Syrians, from the Turks, and from the, um, you know, even the Slavic peoples. And of course, that's where the word slave comes from, from the Slavic people. So, but in the last you know, 400 years, yeah, there have been a lot of slaves brought from, and then that's when the um, Europeans came into the picture and they, they started that uh, emphasis on the African as a slave. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with um, getting back at the Africans for taking, you know, taking them slaves too, from what I've read in uh, Thomas Pello, in a book by Thomas, Thomas Pello. Yeah. And I wanted to, uh, well, I want to talk about that later too because that's something that uh, you know it, uh, that's a, that's an issue that hasn't been uh, a point or perspective that has not been brought to light. But what I want now is to talk about kind of like the migration to like these areas in Africa, like Libya. We talk about um, their Canaanite connection and the Moabite connection uh, because you don't hear too much about the Moabite. Uh, you pretty much get like a brief um, depiction of them in the Bible. Um, you know, you get the Moabite or Moab was just a small you know, town, and then the Moabite people came out of um, later on, much later, came out of the Yemen uh, into Jordan, and then and during the Islamic era, they came into North Africa, okay. <clears throat> and that's where you get that. But Moab and Amman, Amman were as people, meaning the descendants of the people who had followed an uh, Amr Musaikia from Arib, 
Mariba of the Bible, Exodus, you know. <coughs> um, so that as Uman moved in eastward into the Najed and then finally into the Persian Gulf and the, the other ones, as people moved north, as I said, to become people like the Nabataeans and the Amon, Amonites, or Amon, people who founded Amon. Now the remnants of those people moved into the Gur, and that's where you find a lot of the, um, the people that look like that big, um, bigger than the uh, other, you know, Himyarite people. Nabataeans and Azd and Aus and all those Amorite people were supposed to be bigger than, you know. The Nabataeans are the people that were called in um, late Babylonian texts, the Amaru. Amaru. Mm. Um, so, and, and uh, in medieval texts, they're called, they're descendants of Talaba. Talaba of Azd. That's why I was reading you from Tabari's. Tobari's book. Um, but these Nabataeans, by, uh, you know, later on, they, they were intermixed with, their, or not, not intermixed, but their settlements were intermixed with um, Armenian people, and, uh, what do you call it? Or Parthian people, I should say, who became, you know, a lot of them became Armenian, as well as um, Greeks. They settled in that area. And when you, when you see people showing, Sculptures of Nabataeans and stuff, you often see them showing these, these Greco-Roman people and uh, other people that have nothing to do with it, Al-Nubait or Nabit. Now the word Nabit or Nabatean became a name for general, in general for the Northern Arab people. And it came to mean because all these people were black, it came just simply to mean black after a time. Mm -hmm. But you do see uh, in some, certain early texts, they said that the Nabataean people once ruled Babylon, you know, and they came in after or under Nimrod, or Numenor ibn Kasi, who was a, who is an Arab tribe in Central Arabia up until the medieval or colonial period. Numer ibn Kasit, Nimrod son of Cush, or Nimrod son of Arafak Sad, as he's sometimes called. Yeah. Apparently, this tribe settled there in very early times, um, and as well as the Azd tribes that moved from them. Um, or Central Arabians actually are considered, uh, I think they're considered, um, well, some of them are considered Ishmaelites, the Mudar. Mudar. Hmm. So, so they'll say in, in uh, some Arabic texts, they'll say Ishmael was descendant of. Peleg or Balaj, while the southern Arabs were descendants of Katan or Jaktan. So Jaktan and Balaj or Peleg were two, the two sons of Shem, ended up being the two sons of Shem in the Torah, in Genesis. And Shem, of course, is really refers to the sun god that was worshipped down there, Shamsu. Ham or Hamon, you have also Kemash or Humesa, the name Humesa, there's a tribe down there, and they, there's Moabites worshipped Kemash or Humesa. Yeah, so those are originally Yemenite peoples or Afro-Asiatic peoples that came from Southern Arabia and moved northward into places like the Jazz and Jordan, Amman. And according to Philip Heaty, 
who was a, a Lebanese, I think, writer of last century, late last century, wrote that the, the Hawate people were direct descendants of the ancient Nabataeans, correctly, because they still, some of their tribes are still uh, have the names of the ancient clan names of these inscriptions of the Nabataeans. So I'm not just talk, talking about ethno history in terms of names and stuff. I shouldn't, you know, I should uh, reiterate that these names are from inscriptions. They're not just, you know, I'm not getting them out of medieval text. Nabataean is the name of the inscriptions and their tribal names like Mash, Mashek or Mash of the Bible, Meshek of the Bible. Those are names that are there in the inscriptions mm. because the, the um, Nabataeans were sons of Aram and Mesh, according to Arabian inscriptions. And Aram refers to an area or a town, towns in Yemen. The Arameans were originally Yemenite people, as people that moved to the north and gave their names to those tribes, or they brought their names with them, really. Mm. And then later on, other people moved in and, you know, started calling themselves Arameans, or they spoke, they wrote in Aramean, they wrote in um yeah, I mean the Aramean because earlier the King Canaanites were still Canaanites. Okay. Yeah, Canaanite and Hebrew were Hebrew. Uh, that, those languages weren't adopted by the people until like medieval, medieval times. Okay. So, so those names, the names weren't adopted into until medieval times. So no, no, I said the language, the dialect. The dialect. Actually, I, yeah, I meant the dialects were not adopted like the Hebrew, which is a Canaanite dialect. That was not adopted until by the Europeans until very late. It was basically a dead language in Europe, you know. Mm. Yeah, so it was mainly Arabian, and that's why Benjamin of, of Tudela, Spain, had mentioned that most Hebrews lived in South Arabia. Right. Okay, most Hebrews live in South Arabia. Yeah. Uh, Solomon 144 is asking, are Moors, Canaanites, or Moabites? Um, is it easy for the more the more connection between Canaanites and Moabites? Well, again, this is why we have to stop talking in terms of European um, translators of the Bible. Canaanites were an, a, a tribe of Yemen. The Moab were a tribe of Yemen. There were gen, there weren't generic names of peoples originally. So Canaan became the name of all these peoples that settled in Canaan. Many, 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 many. People, including many Edomites, the Israelites were settled in Canaan. Um, so Canaan became known for the Ham Hamada people or Hamathites, mm -hmm. the Gibeon or Gabaon people, mm -hmm. um, or now called also El Jaban. Um, who else were Canaanites? Uh, the, the Hivites or El Huwait, who were part of the uh, Hawatite people. Um, I don't know who other uh, and those people are also related to the like I said the Mizraim who are people of the Nidran who moved into the Nidran area, Nidran area. The Mizraim were not uh, ancient people of the Nile until you know they made it. I think they conquered it as Hyksos as Hyksos people. Okay. But um, the name was not of the uh, of, of the um, Kem Kemet was not Mizraim. So much later, you know, it wasn't founded as Mizraim or anything like that. And even that, when Manetho talks about those, those people like Busiris, as Manetho, Busiris, 
mm. as early Egyptians. Manetho. Manetho mm. is a Greek that made all the this these dynasties. Some of the names that he names are not even African. They were like early, like Eshman, Ashmun. Those are early um, Yemenite king names. That's, wow. that's, and that's another thing that you're going to find out later on. I'm not going to try to go into it now, but the the chronology of the Near East is so messed up that, you know, they don't even know what is where. They haven't been able to figure out the Israelites because a lot of those people were earlier than some of the you know, so-called Egyptian dynasties or the Kemetian dynasties, and they moved into those areas, like the, the sons of Horus probably moved from the punt that was in Arabia, or Bont, as it was called, uh, and they moved into, up, back across into um, Africa and up in, up the Nile, from the you know, sons of Haru or Haru, um, and founded the Egyptian civilization. So. It depends on uh, the chronology, if the alternative chronologists are right or not. You know, mm. alternative chronologists say that, the, like Velikovsky was saying, that it's, it was several centuries, much you know, later than they're saying. Um, some people are saying that Manetho, I'm sorry, that um, Minos was Menes, and that you know those people were much later. Like Minos, according to um, According to Greek writers, was a Menaean or got his name from the Menaeans. Menaeans mm -hmm. didn't get into the Mediterranean until much later, you know. So mm -hmm. I don't know how right they were about that, but I do know that the Radaman tribe. That name sounds awfully familiar to <laughs> to the Greeks. You know, they called their the son of Menaeus was or Minos was uh, Radamanthus. Radamanthus yeah. among the. Uh, Morad people, you know, who were the Minions. Yeah. So, I don't know. Something got messed up completely in terms of that chronology thing. Mm -hmm. So, right now, people are not going to really, might not believe a lot, you know, in terms of uh, the Minions being the founders of the Minoan civilization and all that stuff, which is what the Greeks said. The Greeks said the Nabataeans, Nabataeans were the Phoenicians. Nabataeans were the Phoenicians, so they moved up. When the Phoenicians got there, is when the Nabataeans got up there. And they're trying to say that Canaan was there, you know, 3,000 years BC or something like that. That's BS. Impossible. Mm. So they better, you know, unless until they get their act together, they're not going to find a lot of these places. In fact, they did find early, um, like I said, I had a secret about what they have found, which I cannot release now because the discoverer or who it was given to uh, doesn't even know that I know about it. That's cool. Yeah, but you're going to be hearing in the next couple of years something that puts all, a lot of the stuff that uh, biblical archaeologists have been saying to rest. Okay. Yeah, in terms of the origins of the Torah. Okay. But I'm just explaining to you why that's coming out now. This, all this, what I'm talking about, is a explanation of what you're going to be finding out about the origination of the Torah. Yeah. Um, when we speak of, and I'm trying to, you speak of, um, because I know in some of your, your recent blogs, you were talking about um, Libya 
and you did say about um, the, uh, I guess the ethno distinction, how at what time did the, because uh, you know, the Egyptians had that one glyph where it shows the different ethnicities that were in the, in the region and they show the Libyans at a very lighter shade. Could, could you describe or maybe say? Well, again, um, now I have some of this in the um, Golden Age of the Moors. Yeah. I have a lot of that information there, but what archeologists have discovered is that the original Timahu came out of the Tehenu. They were the same people and they were all originally dark skinned. And then later on when the people of the sea came in, you find people like, um, but they were not even wearing, some of them were not even wearing the, the braids of the original Tamahu, you know, and the side blocks, whatever. Um, now, that people of the sea apparently was, you know, after 1000, after 1000 BC. But we're talking about, you know, before that, long before these people of the sea, the European people came down from uh, into actually at the time they were coming into Egypt, they were also coming into the southern Mediterranean lands in general mm -hmm. and into Palestine. So these people just, you know, those are the people that moved into those areas and mixed later on with those uh, in, in that area in, of Syria, you know. But um, yeah, so when I talk about Libyans, see the, the, the early writers referred to those people as Scythic, Scythians and Greeks. Those were the early Greeks. Right. We're not, you know, those were the pro, those weren't even the Proto-Greeks, but the early Greeks, the Hellenic Greeks that came in after the Proto-Greeks, who were the Carians and Minoans, and the, the uh, Greeks themselves said the Carians were the Garamantes, and Garamantes. the Minoans were related to the Minoans, you know, the South Arabian people. Now, the present-day people that were along the coast of uh, Libya are still called Kara. There's still Kara people there, and mm -hmm. that probably is related to Carian. And even further west, as I was talking to another um, Facebook friend from Morocco, the Icarian were part of the Corsairs, Barbary Corsairs, Corsair. or Iguala. They were called Iguala. I don't know if that word is related to the Icarian further east in the Mediterranean or not. But all I do know is that, you know, the Icarians were not considered to be a white people. Eurobetes, the Icarian is described as a dark brown person. And even in their, what, what, who was that? Eurobates, um Was it the, I don't know if it's Iliad or, or Odyssey or when they're talking about the Argives and all those pre Hellenic peoples, they're talking about the Afro Semitic or uh, African. Hmm? I think it might, I think you're speaking of the Iliad. Uh, well, that one, but I don't know when they're talking about the, the um, Danaeans. The Nayans and all the um the Eurobates, the Carrion and all that, I forget what book that's from. What um ancient book that's from, or what ancient author wrote about it. But he's yeah. called a the brown skinned carrion. Mm. Now the people that Josephus refers to as Katim, the the descendants of Katim, the Amalekite, um, that occupied the Aegean coasts and the Mediterranean, that's another people that um, get confused with European people, Katim or Phoenician people, the same people that colonized Phoenician co the coast of North Africa. Okay. You know, and became Moors. Yes. So the Tuareg 
still call themselves Kitam uh, Makitam, Imakitan, and there were people called Kitama or Muktunia Manos, Muktunia Manos, um, Adira Makita mm -hmm. in uh, Libya, who were ancestral to the um, Tuareg, you know, some of the Tuareg people. Tuareg who came from the east, who claimed to come from Sawar the Adite, the Assyrian people. See, the original Asur or Yasur. Not Yasir, but Yasur. There's a Phoenician god, Sur. And I forgot to mention that you do find uh, Tyre and Sidon in its, you know, inscriptions in South Arabia. Okay. Those were, that's where the original Phoenicians that Herodotus referred to came from, that area. Okay. So the original Phoenicians came from that area. Yeah, from the, the Eritrean Sea and moved into Africa and they moved from Africa, they probably, or in, I don't know if it was from Africa or Sinai or wherever they moved into. Even further north, the Keftu moved further north and became and founded Kafturum or Cappadocia. So you find black Syrians in Cappadocia and you find the white Syrians, according to the Greeks. In the Taurus Mountains, you find black Syrians. And till today, you find in the, around the Dead Sea the, the black. Like I said, the Dead Sea people, the black people of the Gore, mm. under the name Salimi, Salamian. Salamian, and the Tacitus speaks of Solomi people, right? right? Tacitus and Josephus, and they claim that, you know, that people could not figure out where they came from. They said, oh, they must be the Assyrians, they must be the Jews, they must be the Ethiopians. So they, we know what they look like, right? Right from there. Mm. And they also said that these people were thought to be the people that found at Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And as I was I was saying on the last interview, there are several Jerusalems or Darsalems in Southern Arabia and Central Arabia. Yeah. Because those those people, the Salem people, were part of the Azd movement north. And uh, as they moved north, and uh, I guess some of the tribes married the, into the Jorham tribe or a princess of the Jorham tribe or something, and then they started calling them Ishmaelites. Ishmael. Yeah. Now, archaeologically, they're called Sumu Il, and they were in northern Arabia with the Kidar, who's a real yeah. people in the uh, inscriptions, Kidarites. And that's mm -hmm. why you have in the, in the, in the uh, Torah, you have Ishmaelites named Kedar and Nabaot or Nabatian, and you have the Hadar, and you have, uh, you know, other tribes, but these are historical people and that, that are in inscriptions, the Sumuel. Mm -hmm. And this Sumuel is probably the same name as, or a related name to Samal, Ben mm -hmm. Samal in the south. So it's a shame, you know, that Allah's. <laughs> Well, it's not really a shame because now the information is coming back out. But um, it's a shame that they had to distort this because there's going to be a lot of unhappy people, like you say. Somebody, somebody said, "I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers." I'm a feather ruffler. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and when the book comes out, yes, it's going to ruffle feathers. But I, I, I would like to see somebody disprove a lot of the information in, the, in this text coming out. Yeah. Um. And we uh, we we could just uh, I'm thinking of uh, 
Because I know, <clears throat> yeah, put out a paper recently. And uh, from Fair Blackness. Mm -hmm. um, and we're pretty much because I'm getting a lot of questions about the world and stuff right now. So, um, uh, pretty much what we're moving to do is to come out with these papers. It's basically the same to prove the ethno um, connection. Well, this paper was kind of like a adjunct to um, the Golden Age of the Moor paper because I started finding out a lot more and exactly where each tribe came from um, and how they were related to the Moors. Mm. Because I wasn't sure, well, if the Masmuda were black and if the Sanhaja were black and the Kitama and the Sinata were black, where do these people go to? You know? Right. And I didn't know how they were connected to West Africans and Central Africans. So this paper kind of explains how they were related to them. So there were, the Arabs said there were three major Berber tribes, and otherwise they say there were five major Berber tribes. And those Berber tribes, they say, were descendants of the Sabians, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they were usually said to be the Hawara, the Zanata, Sanhaja, Masmuda, and then um, I think Tutama. But anyway, um, and sometimes those five are made into three major tribes. So anyway, uh, Ibn Butman Aj saw that he said, you know, that the, the, the Berber women being brought over from uh, North Africa were black-skinned. Right? He said they were Black skin, while the Beja women were golden, golden skin color. Our okay. Nubian, <laughs> Nubian women. So we know what the Berbers looked like in that time, right? We also know from I keep saying mentioning Abu Shama, who was mentioned I think in the uh, Golden Age of the Moor by the Runoko, Runoko or somebody who wrote about um, Abu Shama, the 14th century writer. How he said the Masmuda Berbers were black. And the Masmuda were the people that were the majority of the um, original Moroccan Berbers. And they were also, as well as the Nada, who Ibn Khaldun talks about. Now, Ibn Khaldun says that the Nada in his time were the majority of the Berbers. And he says, most people that said that the Berbers were black descendants of Canaan and that they were black because of a curse. Mm -hmm. Um, now, he's not the only one that said the Berbers are black. Almost every text, well, in fact, every text that mentions Berbers in, in before, the 15th, before the 15th century, or before the 16th century, because um, even Caldean was about the 14th or 15th century. Mm -hmm. Every single text says that the cops and the Berbers came from black people, or were from Ham, or were from Canaan. Okay. And they also say that they were black when they are described. So Al Damashki, who, who uh, was from Syria, he also said the Nabatians and the Berbers and the um, Pops were blacks. And he even had a chapter why the, these descendants of Ham were black. And he starts mentioning these people. So what do you think about that? Is that just an Afrocentric stuff? So they'll say, oh, um, they didn't really mean black when they said black, <laughs> okay? As if we're talking about European people who called, sometimes they call the Turks black and stuff like that, right? When 
Arabic speakers spoke of black. They used words that meant black, not tawny, not green olive or um, right. you know, yellow or Mediterranean olive or, um, you know, tawny. It just meant black. And that's why when um, Isidore Seville talked about the, the uh, Moors, he said they were black as, you know, as night, as night. Yeah. Isidore Seville, 7th century Spain. And Moors invaded Spain before uh, Muhammad. Yeah. Islam, they were in Spain. So he, he should know what the Moors look like. Mm -hmm. I learned even during the time of Carthage, the uh, Hannibal, he always right. looked like. Mm -hmm. And those people, the Hannibal, you know, were two people, like most of the North African Moors, Tareg and Gorain or Kara. Kara. Also called, there were actually three people, Zagawa or Zagai, Kara, also called Gorain or Quran, I don't know how to pronounce it, Quran, and then the Tuareg, or the Maz they were called themselves the Mazik's or Mazazik's or Mazata. Mm -hmm. And those were the people, they were specific people. Mazik's was the name of a specific Ethiopian people. They mm -hmm. had javelins, they rode camels, they had wrist knives, and they had long robes. And those were the people that fought mostly against the, the Romans, because the Romans did something with one of their chiefs, and then they went, they went absolutely crazy. And mm. continually over over um, centuries, several centuries, they invaded the Roman parts of North Africa. Mm. And and uh, so when they talk about when Marshallis talks about Moors being woolly haired, woolly hair like a Moor, he uses the phrase woolly hair like a Moor. He's mainly talking about them, the Tar, mm. their hair was and mostly is woolly hair. Mm. Now, the Torah also, like I say, Claudian referred to the Moors or Nasamoons, Berber Nasamoons, now called Inusamani, Cal Inusamani, a Torah tribe as as uh, Ethiopians, giving Roman women of the Levant to their men. That's what Gildo the Moor or the Aguilid a ruler of the Moors was was doing. So very early in this Byzantine period, or fourth and fifth centuries, the Tuareg were already, you know, intermarrying with them. their concubines because they do marry their concubines too, their slave concubines, both black and not black. Still, um, but at that time they were taking mainly the white Roman and other European concubines and mixing with them. That's why we have Tuareg that are, you know, relatively fair skin. I mean, lighter than me. Some of them are lighter than me. Most of them are still dark, though, like you and me, right? Um, and you also have the Tubu, the same thing. Some of their tribes, the Tubu, Teta, or Gorin, because they're, they're the same people, Gorin, uh, who stretch to uh, Arabia as well. See, that's the problem is that a lot of these tribes that are in, that are in um, the Nilo-Saharan-speaking tribes, their names are also found in in uh, Arabia as well. And and um, Mac Michael, who wrote History of the Sudan, 
history of the Arabs in Sudan also speaks about that, that the Korean people were also in the Wadi Islam in Arabia. But we don't know what languages they spoke originally. I don't know if it was, you know, Nile-Saharan might have been over there for all we know, Nile-Saharan speakers. Um, but that's what I'm saying. These groups have always occupied that North African area extending to Arabia and including mm -hmm. the East African area extending across uh, the Beja claiming, like the Hadar Beja or Hadara Beja claim to have come from the Hadaram of Saba, otherwise called Hadurim in the Bible, you know, it's pronounced Hadurim or written Hadurim. Mm -hmm. So another, the name Beja or Be, it, they're also called, uh, it's also written Buga or um, in the Bible, I believe that it's the same as the Begwa, Begwi or Bu, um, Beg, Begwi of the Bible too, Begwi, B-E-G-U-I. Um, they're called Bega. It's written Bega in, um, you know, some Arabic texts and also Beja. So I believe those were the Israelite, Israelites or Judeans called Bega as well, Begwi, Begwi over there. And you find many, many names like that spread, you know, in in the Beige, among the Beige tribes, as well as Central and West African tribes. Okay. Um, I was just looking at the name Canary, Canary over in Arabia, which sounds to me all like the Canary, Canary, who claim to be, you know, Israelites and were, were Jews. Um, but, you know, you can't just you just can't make conclusions out of words that sound the same. You have to do the research. Right. And that's, I've basically done a lot of research to show that these people actually lived on both sides of the Red Sea, especially right. the early Moors. Early Moors, even in um, you know, the Greek times, they were saying that the Marmarica, who included the, Bur the Nesimones and other ancient Moorish tribes, were called sons of Arabs or children of the Arabs. Mm. So... I don't know where they would get that. Now there is the uh, fact that also everything east of the Nile was called Arabia as well. Because those people were the same. Of course, Moreau was said to have been inhabited by the Sabians. Um, the the um, uh, Astaboras, part of the Blue Nile, supposedly came from Sabta, and it was related to the Sabteca Sub, and Sabta people. So you find both, you know, both of these uh, peoples were occupying Arabia and uh, Africa, east of the Nile at one point, but apparently the African side from uh, the Arabian side, according to people like Josephus, you know. So he just calls them, uh, I think he calls the Kushites Canaanites or something, I don't know. In Arabic, a text though, uh, Canaan is, is said to be a son of Kush, because Kush is, like I said, is an area of South. It's a small area of southwestern Arabia now. Uh, now, actually, northern Yemen called Amran. That's is still called Kush, and even in medieval times, it's called Tahama. Is called Kush, or part of the Tahama is called Kush. Mm. Um, so yeah, so one somebody's asking me if the Songhai have origins in Arabia. How do they get to speak a Nilo-Saharan language? As I said. We don't know what they were speaking 2,000 years ago because the languages weren't all written down. Arabic is relatively new language. Um, 
you know, there was an Musnad script of the Sabian and Aboriginal dialects. The uh, people that moved into the Chadic area could have adopted Nile-Saharan dialects. So we don't know that. We know um, all that we do know that the Nile-Saharans later, when they moved to uh, into West Africa, they adopted certain of the Niger-Congo dialects. And that's why this, the Songhai, who are originally Nile-Saharans, and the, um, or, or the, sorry, the Sonink, who are originally Nile-Saharans, including the Jahank and the Jalonk and other, other Sonink peoples, many Sonink peoples, merchant traders, the Wangara, actually adopted the Niger-Congo Congo dialects. So we don't know, you know, Similarly, similarly, some of them didn't adopt those dialects. And you have people now saying that the Fulani dialects are Afro-Asiatic and that the Akan, was it Akan or Iwe? I forget. Well, one of those supposedly Niger-Congo dialects, um, I think it was Ashanti or Akan, were are Afro-Asiatic dialects. And those people have been saying for, for centuries that they came from Israel, that they were the Israelites. So that's what's fascinating. You know, the more you live, the more this information comes out. You know, that I just learned about that this in the last few months that the Akan, the Fulani, some Western scholars are saying that their their dialects are actually Afro-Asiatic. Well, they say Wolof is too. Wolof? I don't know. I don't know about that, but that would be a big surprise. I, you know, so it's important to always take note of the authors or the scholars, Western peer-reviewed scholars that are saying this stuff and not just, you know, taking, you can't take, uh, you know, people like a lot of African-Americans for some reason are starting to put people up on their pen interest and, the, you know, <laughs> and other places where they don't even know who, what tribes they're talking about. So they'll mix up the Tuareg with the Fulani or Wadabi and they'll mix up the different tribes, you know, and a lot of this stuff coming from my, the stuff that I've put up or found. So it's, that's going to get, you know, that's going to get confusing. But you have to go by things that have been peer reviewed, even though, you know, that doesn't, no guarantee that there's not mistakes in it there. But if, at least you have peer reviewed and people will review and say, well, this is not right, but so and such is right. Like, um, for example, I had um, the fear of blackness paper that I was talking about, which people are confusing with the, some blog spot. Okay. A paper is not a blog post. <laughs> People, African-American, okay, I don't know if it's because they hadn't gone to college or whatever, a paper is not a blog post. So I think it was Reggie that came on saying that it, I had a paper called Israelites, Canaanites, and all this other stuff. No, he saw that on Egypt Search Forum. That was a post I put up there. Okay, it had nothing mm -hmm. to do with a paper. When I talk of papers, I'm talking about something that's peer-reviewed. Okay, right. even the stuff in Dr. Van Sodemus books were not peer-reviewed, but at least we did have scholars that were calling up and saying, wow, you know, this really, this really makes sense. But anyway, so the, the peer-reviewed paper, Fear of Blackness, is in West Africa Review. It's, it's, you cannot get it for free. It's something that has to be bought. So if you haven't bought it, you probably don't have it, okay? Um, that was actually endorsed for the book, endorsed by uh, Dr. David Goldenberg, who wrote The Course of Hand, is a well-renowned renowned scholar in Juda Judaic studies. 
And I do talk about the Jews being, you know, in West Africa, you know. So he writes about uh, a lot about different Judaic populations. And um, he also writes about the Amazon. Uh, I think he wrote about the Amazon being, um, having some connections with the Amazigh and other interesting things that I found. Also, the, that's when I saw the Colchians, or not the Colchians, the Colchians, the um, Kuch, the Kuch being connected to the Kushites and stuff like that. So that, those are Afrocentric tropes that he's, he had actually brought up again that other, you know, earlier black writers had written about, but they didn't have the right sources, you know, they didn't, but he actually, the reason I like him is because he brought those tropes up again and started explaining, you know, how this has to be the way, you know, such and such, this has to be true to this extent because such and such, he, then he runs down all the bibliography you have to have bibliographic sources when you're doing this stuff. But anyway, so he endorsed that book, or excuse me, that the one that's going to be a book um, that was supposed to be a book by West Africa Review, but is already an issue. He endorsed it. So it's peer reviewed twice. Okay. Originally for the issue and now for as a book. So you'll see his endorsement on there. I think also Wesley was an endorser on the book too. So the second book or the second peer reviewed thing I did is called The African the publisher named it the African and Arabian Origin of the Hebrew Bible. Origin mm -hmm. of the Hebrew Bible. Now that uh, was reviewed by him and also other reviewers. Um, one who is um, also wrote the, did the uh, foreword to it. And he's a um, specialist on the exegesis of um, of early Islam and as well as um, Judaism, Jewish, Jewish writings and um, Islamic writings. And he's also the head of a department of Middle Eastern studies in America. But I'm not going to say who that is yet until the book comes out. But people are going to be surprised because it's a very <laughs> uh, renowned specialist, you know. Um, and of course, Dr. Goldenberg, he had founded Hebrew University, Hebrew College called Drazi, which became Annenberg at, in Philadelphia. So the Annenberg Center was formerly um, Dropsy Hebrew College at the University of Pennsylvania. I think he was, he was the, he was actually the um, prince, uh, not principal, the chair or a direct chair or the the um, you know the head of it, director of that college. Um, so it, when you have people like that that are <laughs> endorsing the findings, that's what you need really to get this stuff spread around the world. You know? Sure. Among academics, so they can be taught in the schools. Otherwise, you know, if you're jumping around, I mean, I would like to say things about Americas, but when you're jumping around here and then here from Canaan to Americas and bringing up with the Moors, Canaanites in America, and that kind of thing, you can't just, you know, you can't, I can't do that because I'm an academic and you have to have all of the sources you know that can 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 uh, substantiate what you're talking about 
there, Sister Dana, that I do have an article I could probably forward to you when I get a chance. I found in a Native American magazine mm-hmm. where they said the Cherokee um, tribe actually had orphans from the East and they came over to America. Um, I have, I, I don't know how well, that is. I'm not trying to go into that topic either. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. You have to also take into account, and this is another thing people don't like to do. There's been, so the Cherokee or Talagi, as they call themselves, were a mixture of probably those early dark skin people, because they were very dark skinned people, certainly much more than they are now. Described <laughs> as dark brown or dark copper brown people. Like most of the tribes in the East Coast were described as ebony, ebony and mahogany. Not, ma- not ebony, mahogany colored people. Right. So that's you open a time life book and you're going to see mostly mahogany color, colored people, meaning dark brown, red, red brown. Um, now, I do believe a lot of those people were probably mixed with early uh, Arabian, maybe Phoenician, Canaanite people. I don't know what they could have been, Israelite, whatever. Um, now, at that time, to call that the Middle East, we can call it the Middle East, but those were Afro. Afro-Semitic peoples, you know, not not necessarily the same peoples that are there today in Yemen. Back at that time that they must have come over, they were uh, Phoenician people. What's it called? America. Being the latest and most accurate in the world. Now, what what era is it from? Uh, This era is, they're taking this era from pre- No, 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 I'm saying- I'm saying who wrote the book? What what era? Who wrote it? It's like uh, the book. This book is actually about 400 years old. This is a read edition. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because a lot of the early, the, the Orientalist people actually took the traditions of the of the people they were dealing with seriously. And that's why we know a lot of this stuff. We're able to able to stand substantial a lot of this stuff. So yeah, I like to look at those kind of books that were from 300 years ago or so, that that the Europeans are writing about the tribes because they do describe the tribes. You know, some of the tribes as blacks or black. I do believe, for example, um, for even looking at Dr. Van Sodom's books. I mean, obviously Africans came over here um, even in the med- medieval period. They were coming over here, and um, some of the people. In California, like there's a mayor over there now that, to me, she looks exactly like the early women that they show in California, early with those markings. I forget her name, but she's a black, dark-skinned black lady. Her hair is kind of long. She's a mayor of, not Los Angeles, but one of those big t- cities in California. But she's just like one of those California, early California people, women. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I definitely believe some of the people came from the Polynesian area, I mean, and because Polynesia was originally, you know, inhabited by mostly dark-skinned black people, mm-hmm. um, they they probably came over, you know, and settled in certain areas. Now, a lot of the um, other tribes, there were other tribes that looked exactly like, well, not exactly, but a lot like East Asian. They have a lot of East Asian blood. Course, right? Hopi and um, and the uh, Navajo. Now I think it's I forget if it's the Navajo that claim that they keep they had kept 
in touch with that area, the Bering, through the Bering Street, you know. But um, I did go to, um, in Colombia one time, I went to a Native American meeting. They had invited some speakers from, the, I think it was the Navajo or Hopi tribe. Or, and there was also one from the North Dakota, Lakota, Lakota, or the South Dakota Lakota tribe, who looked just like, he was had his long wild hair, but he looked just like an African. I'm like, mm. Wow, no wonder they got rid of these people. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. He was pure, the purest, purest Indian I ever saw. And he was um he the reason I say that also is because for most of the time in the meeting, he was still as a stone. He had went into he was in some kind I don't know if he went into a trance or what, but I a little got scared because I said, what, is he dead or something? His face was still as a stone. <laughs> and when they say stone-faced Indian, they mean stone-faced. Wow. Stone and when he talked, because the, the, um, there's a tradition of the natives having a very big oral, an oral power, right? When he talked, I literally was looking on the ground to see where his voice was coming from. It didn't even seem like it was coming from him. And he mm -hmm. was bad as... I don't know what at the white at white people. In fact, I felt sorry for the white people in the room because I never felt an anger like this before. Not even from black people. I'm like, oh my god! And he started talking about how the, the white man raped his mother and all this other stuff. Yeah. Finally, at the end of this, when he was talking, I figured out he was talking about the earth, not that his real mother. You know. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was more metaphorical. He about that. And I'm like, oh my God, this man's mother was raising. Why is he talking about that anyway? <laughs> but he's talking about the earth, how they're destroying the earth. And he literally, that's how they think in the real native consciousness, that their mother, you know? But um, so these other Indians, though, that were there, they were regular, like, look like half white, half Asian, Hopi. Hope you're an Navajo, I forget which one, but even them, the first one stood up and said, you know, we have a tradition in our belief that the first invader to our land was a black man who had been shipwrecked. So, in, you know, in remote times, this black man came to our area, but he had been shipwrecked. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like the only black person in there. <laughs> but... Um, this Indian guy looked, the Indian Lakota definitely made me think of, um, first of all, I knew that that's why they were exterminated, that the Indians were exterminated because they looked looked like Africans. Part, some of them looked like Africans and they were very scary looking. I mean, when you see African with long, wild hair, even to me, I was like looking, what, how, why is I've never seen this kind of person before, you know? Um, oh, that's it. And he got up, when he got up, he bowed to me, like I, I was one of his, his people, you know? Mm. And I asked him after that, I said, what tribe are you from? He said, I'm Lakota, Lakota. Cool. Pure, 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 pure Native American. But, um, yeah, so I believe, though, that these people were originally both Asian and you know, the Asians somehow got mixed with African or the African got mixed with Asian and they formed the dark skin, copper, mahogany, Native American people. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the Hopi, Navajo people that are lighter 
lighter color. Um, so I forget how we got talk, started talking about that, but I know there was a book that talked about the early Berbers in America. You know, he named the different Berber peoples. Yeah, Berbers. Yes. Those people could have been what how those people came to look like that, you know, dark brown people. Yeah. Cause some I have another book on Barbary on the Barbary Wars. Mm -hmm. And they did a comparison between uh, Native in, in, uh, in America and uh, Berber in, uh, in Africa. Uh, some of the similar uh, uh, jewelry, oh. uh, attire, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There were some similarities. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely interesting. So um, I also, I think that um, the the later the uh, people of the sea might have also come over there too because I had this strange dream once. Too. <laughs> it was very tall, uh, white, whitish man with, but he had braids or dreadlocks in his hair. But he was like very tall, and I'm like, what the heck! And he's, he had this kind of Native American thing on. So I believe they might have also come over here too. I don't know with the maybe with the. Uh, Early Berbers, but that would have been like you know long before Islamic period. Yeah. Long before Islamic period, these people came over. Right. And then they also came over, you know, in the Islamic period, and that's why the turbans and the, all that stuff, feathers in the hair, that could have been uh, Islamic period. With the Seminole and all, and all those people in Florida, yeah. Yeah. And then, but they also probably mixed with the people. Um, so I have Coleman people in my family, and they're always claiming that you know they were related to the Indians down there. But that, I think that's also the you know there are Maroons or African people that mixed with them, you know, during colonial times and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's a complicated subject when you're talking about Moors and Moors in America. I, yeah. <laughs> And you know what? Um, and just for the fact, we have to we have to be scholarly. You know, yeah. I know it's a lot of books out there. There's uh, when, cry, when, rock, when rocks cry out. Oh, okay. I mean, you gotta be scholarly. Um, you can't be just saying whatever happened over in, uh, the Bible actually happened here in America. People put that. That is. I mean, sister's here. Sister Dan is actually telling you that there's evidence where those events occurred, and it's in Arabia. It's in the Yemen, in the in the Arabian Peninsula. Those were these these biblical events. These people, where they were, you know what I'm saying. They, and, there and there weren't. It wasn't a very large area either. It was just a you know this fraction of south, southwest Arabia. Right. So and, uh, and like I said, the names of the people are basically there and also in Africa mm -hmm. and also in the Gar or Jordan Valley where the black people called Garani still are. Mm -hmm. find many of the names there are the ancient Canaanite Nabatian names. Right. So, uh, that what happened was a lot of the people that were in Yemen became Muslim and like the um the Jewish people became Muslim. The Habia uh, the Habani Habani, yeah. Habani that went to Sudan and um, went into Iraq and places like that. They were originally the tribe of Dan in Hajamaut, 
um, you know, all these people became have become Muslim, but some of them retained their Jewish traditions, like the uh, Rechabite traditions. Now they talk about the the Jewish tribes that they've met in Yemen, the Arkab and the um, or Rechab Rechabites and the um, I forget the the name of the uh, not Jorham Jorham uh, Jonadab Jonadab of the Kenites, the Jonadab of the Kenites, and how they were still in the Hejaz and in and in the Yemen. So um, and how they still practice the Hebrew tradition of not drinking wine and not being uh, well, they didn't like being agriculturalists or something. They were mainly nomads, the Kenite, uh, or the Jonadab, and they're called actually in, in Arabic, it's Jundub, Jundub. But, um, or Al, and uh, that comes from an ancient uh, name of a king who is mentioned in inscriptions again, the Assyrian inscriptions called Gindibu. So, most of these names of, um, you know, Israelite tribes. A lot of them came from their king, their ancient kings, you know, they call them prophets, whatever, but priest kings, whatever. Um, there's they're mentioned in inscriptions. Even even some of the uh, concubines, so-called concubines of Arabia are saying like Bahilu, Bahila, or Bilha in, in the Torah, was probably Bailu, who fought against the Assyrians too. There's you know, a lot of a lot of the uh, Arabians at that time were matrifocal people um, and even matriarchal. Some of them were matriarchal, especially the Bedouin or nomadic groups were matriarchal. Yeah. Uh, and led by uh, queens. So that's why, um, you know, the Assyrians often spoke of the queen, have a whole list of queens that they fought against. Mm -hmm. And some of them are biblical names. Okay. Queen of Shia. The Queen of Sheba, according right. to, um, according to um, I mean, in Arabia she's called Bilkus, but according to Bernard Lehman, who wrote that book, The Queen of Sheba, I forget, I forget the whole name, maybe it's just Queen of Sheba. He says there's actually more than one Queen of Sheba. So, um, and they probably at that time were related to peoples that had settled in Ethiopia. So. There were whatever queen was there was probably queen of both sides of the Red Sea. You know that was like I said that was one cultural region back then, and there were Sabians on both sides of the Red Sea. There mm -hmm. were Edenites on both sides of the Red Sea. There were Keturah, Afar, or Afrin, uh, Udatus, or um, and and that Udatus might have something to do with the Tudis. Well, it. It does have something to do with a, a personage called Tutus related to the ancient Libyans, but it might be related to the Tutsi, named of the Tutsi, who also claims to come from that area. Because okay. the Titans were supposed to be giant people too, remember? <laughs> the Titans and, and uh, Titanic, they were supposed to be giants. And Tutus recently uh, was supposed to have been an African leader. Nimrod too was supposed to be a giant. One, one of the leaders of the um, uh, the king with Odudawa or Tutus or who Joseph calls you, 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 you Dadis, mm -hmm. Um These were ancient names of not only deity, deity, but also king names, you know, that are found in 
um, and, and, and the genealogy of the Arabs, you know. And inscriptions, I, I'm not sure if that name particularly isn't found in, is in, in the inscription, but a lot of those names are found in the inscriptions, like I say. You, um, you mentioned um, the tribes being on both sides of the Red Sea. Uh-huh. All the Sabian tribes are on both sides of the Red Sea. Does this indicate also a, um, a trade that these tribes control on some form of trade route? Yeah, of course. Well, the Havila or Hawila, also called Kawalan, because the, the ancient Southern Arabians, they, they, they fixed their suffix of their names for some reason was An, like Katan and um, uh, Kataban and um, Kawalan. The, the Kawalan tribe in, in Northern Arabia was called Hawila, and today it's called Hawila or Kawal, Kawal as well. Um, but anyway, in, Ara in uh, Africa became um, the Avalites or uh, the, the people who founded Zu Awela or Z Zela in Somalia and in uh, Libya. Zawila or Zawila. Who are related to the um, Zagawa peoples. The Zagawa and the uh, Tulu peoples, you know. Now, the Zagai or Zagawa are the ones that later on became in, in West Africa became known as Songhai and Isuagin. Right? And the um Gara or Kara peoples who are also called Korean uh, became known as the Wangara Wakara people. And those were the Sonic people, Sonic speaking people, who also called have different names, you know, different clan names to Son Seracol, um, Seracole, um, Jahank, Jalanki, uh, the, the people of Masi are related to them, and many, many other tribes related to them. Um, the Kanuri were also partly Zagawa, Zagai, and they're also part Fulani, and another people, the Hausa were part very, very, um, the, the uh, Kwararapa. Uh, the Jukon, so all those people were related to the Yoruba and Akan. So, so many of these people have, um, you know, have connections to Afro-Asian people, and claim to come from um, Canaan and Israel. Now, I don't, I don't see much of the Moabite, the Moabite thing, and that's because, like I said, the re the reason why Muahid became so prominent in, during the in Europe was because of the later the Arabs, the Arabs themselves coming from the Hejaz and uh, Yemen. They were Makil, Banu Makil or Makila Arabs who were really Muakil related to the um, Muahid, a Muahid tribe. But you have to know the like I put this in the uh, late book, the latest book coming out, and those people were. The people that became in the Gar region, the children of Lut, in the land of Moab or Moab, Moab, the, the Moabites. But they also the, the Arab Muakil also relate no related to the Charza Arabs in um, Senegal and those people. Okay. Used to, he used to be in Morocco. They had invaded um, 
with, you know, with the Berbers, the original Berbers, black people, the Negroes and the Tauric, Niger people, the Niger and the Tauric, they had invaded the Iberia. And, you know, ruling in certain areas, they became known as, you know, the Moabitarum or Moabites. Right, Moabitarum. But that word is not related to Amoravid. Okay. Or, um, Amurabid, or the, which was the Tuareg, uh, the Tuareg people, mainly Tuareg people. That's they're literally called um, Lamtuna or Alumadin, uh, you know, Sanhaja or Zanaga. And the Tuareg, like I said, the division is between the Zagai people and the um, nobles. Nobles with you know the ones that always wear the purple and the veil and the purple. Um, turbans, whatever. I forget what they're called. But, you know, the, so the Torah themselves were even, you know, divisions of different groups. Right. And was it Amazig? Yeah, Amazig. Yeah, Amazig. But the, 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 the um, vassal castes, though, were of Sonic and Song, or Songhai origin. And you find in a Hebrew, one of the Hebrew texts that the Mazik are related to Dedan, related to Dedan. Dedan? Yeah. And that's the when I remember I talked about Titan and related to Eudatus. Yeah. And all that mythology fits in. They're talking about the movement of Dedan across, or Eudatus, the, the descendants of Eudatus across Africa. Mazik, son of, was a, connected to. Canaan, and even um, you'll see the name Zakia, which is another name for the Zakai. Zakai, and um, it, it means like the pure meat or pure, pure, yeah, pure meat. Um, in the Bible, they'll just say, or the translation of the Bible will just say, it means purified. Yeah. But um, that word is really to the guy, to the, the Songhai people. Mm. And Zakai was, of course, uh, one of the Judean clans, families. Okay, so some of the, the the Judeans that did not were not expelled to Mesopotamia were slaves of the king of Baghdad, as they call themselves in in West Africa. Um, had, had come into you know had went westward at a very early time, and that's why you find those names. Some of them came, you know, during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Some of them came earlier. Some of them came during the time when they were fighting the tribe of, you know, the, the descendants of Musaikia, otherwise known as Moses. Um, you know, they, they started fighting amongst themselves, the Korahites or Wakur, um, as they call themselves today, and the uh, people of um, Darius or Jatir. Otherwise known as Jethro, and you'll see that name Ithran and Yathrib and Jethro or Jatir, they're all related because those people were, um, you know, connected down there in the Yemen. Hmm. Hmm. So sometimes they're considered like Edomites, sometimes they're considered Judeans. Hmm. Um, but in the same thing, you'll see the word Balter. Al-Bathur, or Al-Aptur, as the ancestor of the 
um, of, of the Berbers. And that's because Bothra, or Bitteran, Ithran, Jatir, Yathrib are all related words. Even, you know, it says that even right here, Tabari connects those words. Um, Ithran is ba Badrani, he calls them. So that's actually the name of a Yemenite tribe today. Badran, Bidaran, um, Badr. And the name is connected to the Pleiades or Sirius. I was telling somebody the other day. That is Sirius. Wow. And the Pleiades. And Bidaran actually is the Pleiades, I think, in the plural. Well, well, um, while Bit Badr or Ithran, Badran is uh singular and it's just a serious because that's that's a major star or something in the Pleiades, something like that. Yeah, serious. Is a um you know, the Pleiades. Yeah. Um, the uh, serious then that uh, star system. Yeah. yeah. That's a that and then you think about the Dogon, you know, that group in um Mali that actually found out that the uh the, the the star is, is not just binary, but there's three stars. Yeah, but see, that's not found out. That's just, that's been part of their mystery system for since you know, thousands of years, and uh, it's not just the Dogon that knew that. It's all the the clans of, according to Marcel Griol, that's basically the mystery system of the African. You know, many African tribes have these groups of uh, where they're they're they learn. Like it's sacred mysteries. Mysteries. They learn mysteries about you know, um, about the stars and planets. It's not just not just um, a Dogon thing. And the Dogon are a man thing, and they're connected to the people called Garamandis. Garamandis. Yeah, Garamandis. And so, of course, that name is probably connected to the Garamantes. Um. Now somebody. Texted me or emailed me. Uh, no, on Facebook they said something about the Dogon claim to be <laughs> that they're descendants of the Nabataeans, which um, you know it sounds strange, but you never know because, like I say, all all the stuff to me, oops, all the stuff to me was which, um, um, you know, it sounds strange, but you never know because, like oops. I say, all all the stuff. <laughs> oh, that's <legend. laughs> um, uh, No, I'm saying that um. Yeah, all this stuff about Africans being Jews and Hebrews and stuff. I mean, if you had talked to me about that 20 years ago or when I was, you know, and talking with uh, Zahi, you know, working in the, with him, or not working, but I was his friend. When I used to talk to him about that stuff and the, the Murad guy, uh, you know, that, that stuff was already going on in here in America, but I, I would never have believed that. When the Murad guy told me that uh, there's a book that by this Kamal Salibi that said the Bible came from Arabia, and he was saying all that Arab, that that guy Kamal Salibi thought Arab, Arab tribes were the all the Genesis tribes. Then, well, that's 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 interesting, but of course it's you know that you have to have a do a lot of proving. You know, it, it sounds funny to me. It sounds strange, but now. Oh, no, Zahi wasn't receptive to that. Somebody's asking that. Of course not. He's not even receptive to uh, 
the Egyptian the Egyptians of being African. So unfortunately, you know, and he viewed himself as descendant of the pharaohs. He was saying something about his or somebody that was in there, another uh, student that came in, he from he was from Turkey or something, and he told me, oh, Zahi is not gonna believe this stuff because he believes his his family is uh, descended from the pharaohs or something like that. He has some kind of background or evidence or something that traces he can trace his family to the pharaohs. Maybe the Ptolemaic Greek pharaohs, I don't know. <laughs> wow. but, because he comes from that area of the uh, near the Sinai, I guess. But um, yeah. So um, and then there's this question about that that uh, Sanika, my friend on Facebook, asked me about the Amazons and connection to the Amazigh. Yeah. And uh, or to the Tuareg, and um, of course, there is um, there are works out there. Saying that supposedly the um, the name Amazon and were, the Amazon Amazonians were connected to the name Amazig, and um, but I can't remember what they were. But I know that um, one of the ancient Greeks said that yes, the Amazons in Scythia were, were related to the Libyan Amazons. They were connected somehow to the Libyan Amazons, and I also know that, like I said, in the Golden Age of the Moor. That the Amazons used to dress in the Libyan Athena Aegis in the skirt of Pallas Athena, so-called Naith of the Libyans. Naith of Libyans. And um that leather, it was a leather goat goatskin um skirt that is still worn by the Ethiopians, women in the Ethiopia. So um, you know, those were that was African. That was an African tradition they're talking about. They're talking about black women when they're talking about Amazonians and probably, um, you know, Afro-Asiatic women in North Africa that somehow, I don't know if it's because, you know, because there were black people in the Asian minor as well. Um, and, uh, you know, towards the Caucasus, like I said, all these people, Nabatians had moved into Edessa in the Asian minor, old Turkey, um, or, Orve, it was called, and Ruha, after the Madij tribe in Yemen, a very ancient tribe in Yemen, uh, who were ancestors to the Marad, and who also said that uh, they're all the. I just find it funny because, you know, the, some of these Yemenite people said that, uh, and this was what I found out later, that, that also in this book, um, in this book, from this book, The Unknown Arabs, and then I later confirmed it. Yeah. That the Madej had said, according to a man in Cordoba named Ibn Rabihu, that the idea of a fair skinned Arab is inconceivable, and that, is, yeah, <laughs> that a fair skinned Arab is as rare as the seven, one of the seven wonders of the world. So that's an Ibn Rabbi, who's one of his volumes. He wrote the unique necklace, um, and I later saw it myself with my own eyes. And it's there because a lot of the stuff, you know, you find it hard to believe. You think of Arabs, as, a lot of Arabs or the early Arabs as fair skin, but we have to disconnect, you know, with modern times. The modern Arabs are a mixture of different 
groups and different concubines came in by the thousands from mainly from the northern countries, Circassia and Turkey and Iran. They, up until colonial time, they were coming in. So, what's your Says, have you ever had an opportunity to speak oh. with late? No. Was he Egyptian? I guess he was Egyptian. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Um, okay. Moving forward, trying to kind of move towards wrapping up. I got a good question to move this along. Where how do we get to where we at now? Where I can go on Google, I type in Berber, I type in Torag or Amazing, and I'm getting these fair, lighter skin images. You know, you can you get there because a lot of the uh, neo-Nazi groups and the um, nationalists in uh, North Africa, so-called Berber nationalists, because they speak, the, they happen to speak the language of the, the Moors, Amazig, they're calling it now, are putting up pictures of the fair-skinned people that speak uh, Amazig, the fair-skinned Tuareg, who are the great slave traders of white people into North Africa. Uh, the Amoravids are the ones that brought the Christian mercenaries or soldiers into uh, European mercenaries into North Africa, Morocco, to collect taxes. And that's why the Almohad or Almohad leader, Ibn Tumart, said that the uh, Berbers were becoming fairer because of such and such. Now that um, the Ibn Tumart was of the Masmuda Berbers, who, as we have seen, are described as black-skinned Africans by Abu Shama, by Ibn Butlan, by Nasir Khusrau of Iran in the 11th uh, through the 14th centuries. So that's out of the question about, about Berbers being fair-skinned in that time. Um, now, now, there is, like I say, there are documents of these so-called black people being described as abiad or biad, meaning they're very clear-skinned. Um, and also, you know, like you see the Fulani, like I said before, like you can compare the Fulani with the, um, or even in in, a, in Ethiopia, you have their term for, for fairer is red, meaning red, the red Ethiopians and the black Ethiopians. But in Africa, it was the white, white or biad and the black but the word red is a word that was used for fair in our sense of the word like european fair or even syrian fair okay that not biad abiad meaning was used for the Tuareg and for the fulani and sometimes for the sonic people and even in Igbo land they have the the white <laughs> and the black Igbo. So um, I think it's either to have that. But anyway, but in terms of, um, you know, the, the Syrian, the Andalusians that entered by the hundreds of thousands into Morocco, um, the Turkish and, and the Persian, as far as they were concerned, as far as they were concerned, the Arabs and the Berbers were black 
or Kudur people, meaning near black. Kudur and Sumer, Samer, meant near black for the uh, Bedouin too, for the Bedouin Arabs. But um, yeah, so there's no descriptions of uh, fair-skinned, a whole race of fair-skinned Berbers in, in ancient times or even 500 years ago, because they were considered black, cursed descendants of Canaan. By Ben Khaldun, by Al Damaski, um, by even Kut, I mean, uh, Kutir, was it Kutir or, or Atir? I think Kutir. They all said that they, these Berbers were descendants, like the cops of the black uh, cursed people. And also the cops, the cops were not considered fair skin at that time. The cops, according to Al McCreasy's, uh, short history of the Copts were indistinguishable from the Abyssinians, Nubians, and Israelites. And they fought against and had a race, he says they had a race war against the Greeks who were practiced another type of Christianity. There were Coptic Christians and there were Melchite Christians. Okay. Byzantine, white Byzantine Christians were the people that were the administrators of the land they had taken over, you know, from the from the uh, earlier Egyptian people. Yeah. So people just don't want to want to take into account that there's been admixing of groups for thousands of years, especially in the Middle East. I mean, you find in um, ancient Jordan, you find both black types and you find the non-Arab or non-Semitic white types that had adopt, adopted their languages or dialects. And the Eblaites and people like that are not even mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, the Ebla people are not mentioned in uh, Ebla in uh, Syria and all these people that they're showing, uh, they're wearing the, I don't know what they're wearing, but they're not Arab and they're not related to Canaanites or the children of Shem, as they call them. They were not the people that brought the Semitic dialects, which are were African-related dialects um, to that area. Mm. Black people that brought the Semitic dialects to that area and to Babylon, and that's why you find in the in the uh, about the middle of the second millennium, you find these big Negroid skeletons in Iraq, um, which unfortunately some racist named Carlton Kuhn and his other eugenicists um, in America and in Europe. Um, Call them out. They they started saying that oh these are somehow connected to Eurasian, what do they call it? What do you call them? European people, but, um, so their skeletons are very- well, Indo-European or something? Yeah, maybe Indo-European. Um, but Kuhn thought they were European really people, but they definitely were not. And they're described as very big people. The Ubaid, the Ubaid group. Now, and that's why um, another Orientalist, his name, uh, can't think of his name. Eugene. Uh, anyway, I think it was an Israeli or said that the, the sculptures of the Sumerians do not are not represented in this in the um, skeletal evidence. The monuments do not. Wasn't size. Anyway, I wrote that down. I, I posted it in different um, places on the internet, but. The skeletons do not fit the uh, monuments because 
they're putting up monuments from a different time period. They have nothing to do with um, those early Akkadian groups who were children of Ad, probably the Mumin's sons of Ad anyway. Mm. But, um, you know, there's people that came in later, the Guti or Kurds, you know, people that relate to modern inhabitants of the Middle East are the people that are depicted, but their skeletons in the tombs are completely different. So the, the things you're seeing in books of Sumerians, you know, um, with the, the aquiline nose, big aquiline noses and stuff and bald heads, those are not the people that are in the skeletons of the Sumerian period or the Akkadian period. So people are saying that the early, it's the early Orientalists that discovered that, but you know, they don't talk much about that today. As, as usual, they don't mention that. So what we see in the monuments you're saying what we see in the monuments and what's carved and sculpted are not, it was said it was not the depiction of the actual people that are buried there? Yes. So it's the latter people that might have came that put those images on yeah. the wall and sculpted this? Yeah. Well, there were people from the Zagros area. Zagros area. I'm trying to see if I can find it. What was his name? Um, I can't think of the name, but it's definitely, I think it was pretty pretty much Israeli, but they have this thing called the Mediterranean type, Mediterranean type, and, and, uh, and one of the one of the things that he said as well as other people of the of the that discovered that said that these people are brachycranic, brachycranic, brachycephalic people that they see on showing the monuments. Mm. Okay, whereas the people in this the skeletal evidence and the cranial evidence shows dolicocephalic peoples, meaning the long headed Long and narrow-headed people. So, at that time, they were into uh, cephalic indexes and stuff, and they they consider that most of the so-called grassland Mediterranean type, like they use that word for the Ethiopians and the ancient Egyptians and certain other African people, um, and the early Arabians were all mostly, you know, the skeletons there too are of the same grassland Mediterranean type. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as uh, other Negroid types. And these people happen to have been the more Negroid bigger types, as well as um, in the Persian Gulf area, you find them. The um, um, Anar culture, you find these Negroid, uh, large Negroid types of crania and skeletons. So those people are probably the addites of, uh, you know, of record, of uh, tradition. But, um, and that's what also I meant by they have different groups of Arabians. They had different peoples in Arabia, not just the people you see like in Somalia or whatever, but they have gigantic Adite types probably connected to, uh, like I, I, was, <coughs> I was saying, <laughs> there was this uh, discuss. My, my brother was a tech, techno G, DJ in Philadelphia and there's this apparently Nubian people that, that um, from Egypt, I don't know if they're Nubian, but there's Egyptian, uh, gigantic or large black men that own this uh, nightclub. They use hookah and all that stuff. I forget the name of it. The people probably know that are watching some people. And these people, are, they must be like six, seven or six, eight, or I don't know. But And they're not just skinny like, you know, you find in the East Africa. Tootsie type, but they're big people. Solid. Like, they're, they're solid. Uh, yeah. They're like more yeah. like you in size, but they're 
you know, and I was walking in, I got scared. <laughs> I was walking through the line of, I guess they're like bodyguards, <laughs> but they, you know, also own that place. But, um, so those Khazraj people, Elves and Khazraj and Ansar people came into Egypt and moved down into Nubia and places like that. And they're probably descendants of those people, you know, but, um, and they find Dawasir people too, like that, and other people in the Central Arabian area. By the way, there was this, um, someone, I have a new friend uh, from Saudi Arabia, she's a female, not dark, not that dark, but she said her, she's a fan of uh, Sanitar. <laughs> and she was telling me, you know, that over there, they don't, they don't consider that the, um, the Arabs were white. And they also, she also said that, uh, what would she say? She was saying something about, um, yeah, the, she said the, the, she said the royalty, I don't know why she said this, I have to ask her what she meant. She said the royalty were the, were the blacks or that the blacks are royal blood over there in Saudi Arabia. Mm. I talked after, um, and uh, she invited me to go when she goes because right now she's in Australia. She invited me to go to uh, see uh, some place. I forget the name of it. Um, one of the ancient um, Nabatean areas north of the uh, in Hejaz, I think, northern Hejaz. But um, yeah, so I was talking to her. She said, "My name means beautiful pearl." By the way, Dana, <laughs> which I love. But uh, yeah, so she is a follower of uh, Sanitaires and me. And um, apparently, you know, we have a, this different view of Saudis or what they feel about um, Blacks. Now, definitely trading of slaves over there still. Uh, but they're not just Black, they're from, you know, all over actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know in the Persian Gulf, they try to make people in slaves too. The, the Bangladeshis that go over there, they try to make them do, you know, capture them. Who are the ancient Egyptians today? Who are the ancient? That's but that doesn't really. That's like that doesn't make sense, right? Because the ancient Egyptians today are not ancient, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I heard that the ancient Egyptians they live in Aswan, the people who are descended from the post well, descent. Nubians, Nubians live in Aswan. Yeah, Nubians. You can tell they still put their hands in Africa. Nubia is not ancient Egypt, though. Ancient yeah, Egypt. However, however, the people that have the blood groups closest to the ancient Egyptians are the people called Haritan. The Haritan in Morocco. Now, the Haritan in Morocco might be related to the Teda Krata. They're called Teda Krata, who are the Karadin or the um, Kara people. They might, they're possibly related to them, which in, in which case that means the, again, we're talking about the Wakara and I'm sorry, Wakur and Wangara and Wakar, Wakar, because they called themselves in the manuscript. But I'm not sure about that yet. The Haritan are still are the indigenous people of Morocco, very, very ancient there, very old there. So they might be, have been an older group than the, you know, Afro-Asiatic, I'm not sure. Yeah. However, yeah. However, um, you know, and then the DNA shows that these the ancient Egyptians were basically a Great Lakes people. They're closest related to the peoples that settled around the Great Lakes. So the 
the I guess Baturo and other other groups that moved have since moved south, like uh, into uh, South Africa and places. And that's why you see in South Africa you'll see that bone structure that the ancient Egyptians had with this thick, very thick um, ankles and wrists, like you see on the statues. You see that in, in South Africa a lot, and in Southeast Africa a lot. And then, you know, so there were definitely African people, black African people, who, of course, um, you know, since uh, at the time that the Giza, there was a wave of people from, um, you know, places like Cyprus into early, the old kingdom, Egypt, which I talked about, and they settled as a minority in certain places like Giza. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they were completely different in appearance. Not, not only were they fair-skinned, they were not dolichocephalic, like like I said, the long-headed uh, Egyptian, primary Egyptian type. They were brachycranic people. Um, and they settled and they were absorbed, for the most part, into those towns by the uh, intermediate period. So you do find, especially in the, in the um, north of Egypt, you find at that ancient time, you know, fair-skinned um, Egyptians that were a minority in that in up in northern Egypt, while in southern Egypt, which is called Upper Egypt, of course they remained African in appearance. And we also know that they're African African because in um, the age of Jebel Moya, uh, Iron Age of Jebel Moya, it shows that um, their discrete um, genetically determined cranial traits were similar to the Neolithic um, Neolithic and later primary Egyptian type. So basically the, the Neolithic Egyptians evolved into certain Nilotic Nubian peoples, uh, you know, in the Iron Age era, era, which is just several hundred years BC. So, we, you know, that's one of the reasons we know. And those people were in the Sahara, um, and and probably east and like I said, some of them, some of the Nilotic peoples and some of the um, peoples that grassalized because originally they were all big people in the Mesolithic and the Paleolithic era, much bigger people. But then gradually, as they got involved in agriculture, which only Africans, of course, got involved in at that time, um, and became the Me uh, Mesolithic and Neolithic peoples, um, they became the people that were involved in agriculture became grassal. And they started immigrating around the Mediterranean into Europe and into uh, Arabia and from Arabia into the north um, after after a time. But, um, and that, you know, and so European academics started making up this, these ter terminologies like Euro-African and, um, you know, for Euro-African, Euro-African, for people, even like the Garamanti, Garamanti skeletons and for the Ugandans and people of that sort, you'll find so-called Mediterranean race. That's why it's important people read that, that, that what I wrote about the Mediterranean type too in Egypt, Child of Africa. Right. But um, yeah, so you have to just know what happened when these, when uh, certain peoples came into these areas. Now, one of the earliest places that the non-African peoples came into was Palestine and Lebanon. Okay, so those people, again, they're brachycranic people. They're also have completely different 
funeral burial practices. Um, uh, so they were came in with the people that came from um, Egypt, from Egypt, the black people that came into Egypt and settled there called and later called Kasulians, Kasulians. So you see two different distinct peoples that are already mixing back in that, you know, Neolithic, Mesolithic time. So this gave, you know, um, later scholars a chance to say, oh, well, these people are just Mediterranean, they're neither black nor white, whatever. But that has nothing to do with the Bible. See, that, that area had nothing to do with the Arabs or the Semites, so-called sons of Shem, sons of Japheth, and all that stuff. So the, the, the point is that where the Bible took place, there were not these other other people or European related people. Because the European related people, they don't tell you this, but what the early Orientalists and, and archaeologists found is that those people in Cyprus were still in a Paleolithic period when when people of African appearance and origin or relationship were already in a Neolithic. Okay. So those are the ones that that went up to uh, Turkey and or Anatolia and built the big megalithic uh, cultures there and in, and in Europe. Because what did Elliot Smith say about the skeleton of crania around the uh, Stonehenge or the megalithic sites in Europe? He said mm -hmm. they were similar to the Somalis and yeah. Egyptians and people like of that sort of Beja Cushitic peoples. So mm -hmm. Mediterranean. The Neolithic gracilized people called the Mediterranean race in Euro European texts, who were basically Negroid, even Kuhn said they were their faces were a Negroid in aspect. Um, those are the ones that went around building a lot of these megalithic things and they went into India, you know. That's why the Dravidians still build those types of megalithic tombs that are still found in Europe. Mm. Um, so and then of course a lot of the Africans are so-called Mediterranean, you find those. Those, um, you know, the different uh, megaliths all over Africa, even until late period, Iron Age period. Okay. Well, sis, um, I got the sound, uh, cue from the, the whole, <laughs> basically, we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, I got a lot in today, so thanks. Huh? I got a lot of in today, so thanks. Yeah, it did, almost three hours. <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So um, we we thank you. Thank you for giving us your time, your information. Uh, we can't wait for your book. We have a lot of people following you. Uh, once again, tell us how can we uh, get in contact with you? Contact with me? Oh, on my Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, Dana Renee, yeah. What's it called? Dana Reynolds Marnish, Afro-Asiatic Facebook owner. Something. Yeah. I know, Afro-Asiatic's Blogspot owner. Okay. Yeah, and that's the main that's the main way to get in touch with me. Um, yeah. So remember, when COVID, when the COVID is over, she's she's open for uh, speaking engagements too. So. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully, um, you know, people keep saying they want to see the book. I want to see it as much as they do, and hopefully, mm -hmm. this summer. Um, well, I'm sure this summer that the publisher will be open again and you know he'll be letting me know it's available now the first one is only going to be 50 copies i've been told so and that has to go to the reviewers and the copy editor and the people that you know took part in the book 
Um, and uh, I probably will be giving it to a few good, very, very loyal followers on Facebook as well. <laughs> um, so, but, and then after that, they have to take it, give it to, we have them do other print runs to the universities and stuff like that. And, but, you know, you can also forward me if you're interested in buying it. I'm sure, to let, you know, I can say, well, he's going to give me also um, a lot of copies, you know, maybe 50 copies. Just or so. And I'll, I'll also let me know because I'll do some legwork to help you get it in different bookstores. Okay. Too. Okay. Yeah, it, it's going to go to several thousand uh, universities around the world, so that's good. Okay. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, we'll see uh, how much it can go. I'm sure, you know, it'll be everywhere soon enough. Mm -hmm. Within the next couple of years, it'll be everywhere. But um, I just want people. Uh, to stop putting a bunch of, you know, non-scholarly stuff out there that does not, it's going against what they're, what they want to be. Okay. Who their ancestors were. Stop saying Edomites were white, whatever, Canaanites were white. Canaanites are still alive. They're your ancestors. Don't, <laughs> don't uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't don't defeat the purpose, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Don't shoot yourselves in the foot. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. Uh brother Douglas uh you want to comment? Oh. Is this still around? Thank you, Miss Douglas L. Oh, I can't hear. You must be Okay, Maybe. sorry about that. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um uh just from looking at the feedback, you know, it looks like a lot of people are enjoying this. Um yeah, uh, for the people watching, the link to her her blog is actually on the YouTube video. So if you're on Facebook, you have to go to YouTube, and you can just click on the link. Um, she's got a lot of articles on there, everything cited, you know, for the information. So she's not just putting stuff up there that sounds good, which we see a lot, you know, especially online now. So um, you have to be careful with where you're getting information from, and that's why, you know, with the the system, the way things are done in the education system, we cite the works so that you can go and do further research or see if it's being taken out of context. There's so many reasons why that's being done. So um, like she was saying, that's very important. So so glad that she's actually doing the work to make sure that the information is scholarly, okay? And that's very important. So we definitely want to support that. And for now, you can at least go and check out the blog um, I want to thank you both for coming on. We appreciate you. Um, this has been a great show. Thank you, Douglas L. and Talico for finally getting me. This is one of the best interviews I've had to, to date. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank my ancestors and, of course, Creator for allowing me to be here and guiding me to this these resources again. Thank you so much. All right. So yeah. thank you both. Um, just want to say to everyone out there, have a great day. Everyone that's watched this or is watching this right now, make sure you share. If you came on late, rewind back, watch it from the beginning. And if there's anything else you want to say or share any links or anything, go ahead and now we're going to go ahead and close out. Oh, uh, real quick, um, don't forget if you're on Facebook, um, if you're from New Jersey area and you are North American, you want to identify claim your nationality. Please don't hesitate to be in contact with me, Tariq L. on Facebook. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. 
Um, if I'm this that uh, we are running a orientation class every Monday online via Zoom. And uh, the few months we which were for. Hey, Talik, you're breaking up really bad. Oh, my bad. Can you hear me? Okay, we can hear you now. Okay, yeah. What I'm saying is, I have an orientation class every Monday for those who want to join North Mountain Mission 28 in New Jersey. Um, the cost is twenty dollars, and that will just cover your first dues dues as a member. So um, basically, it's free. So <laughs> just go go through an orientation class. So get in contact with me, and we can go into further detail. All right. Thank you to the audience as well. Thank you so much for your confidence. And I hope you find the joy in um, the forthcoming information that you, I believe I'm channeling the information and the research. So uh, it's time for the, this information to come out. Thank you so much. All right, wonderful. Thank you both. Wow. Peace and love, everybody. Peace and love. All right.